Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We measure childhood by the milestones. Milestones like first steps and graduations that make your heart burst at the seams, and others that are just part of the routine, like keeping up with checkups and immunizations. So if your routine's been rocked in recent years, and maybe you've missed some milestones, check in with your child's doctor or clinic about getting back on track. Let's catch up on checkups, Washington. Schedule your child's next appointment today. A message from the Washington State Department of Health. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com Hello. Uh, greetings, Professor Freeman. Is this Gus? Yes, ma'am. Did you know that it's not 2 p.m. Hawaii time? What time is it? It's 3 o'clock. <laughs> oh, wow. That is crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I won't have as much time as I was hoping because I have to pick up my kids and leave in half an hour. That is whack. Oh, I thought it was a three-hour Yeah, I, I just figured it out today because I was trying to – and it, it also says Monday on the website. I was like, what? It says Monday, January 8th at um, 8 p.m. Eastern. And I'm like, wait a second. It's not Monday, and that's three, not two. So. Wow. Yeah, well, sorry. we will I, I get. You, yeah. <laughs> we will uh, go ahead and get started and try to cover yeah. as much as we can with the time that we have. That's my apologies. Okay. Uh, we will be live in about five seconds. Okay. Perfect. Context of white supremacy. Uh, Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Wednesday, January 8th, 2020. So I have been told I had a great introduction all set up for the program, which I'll just have to save for later. Uh, I thought Hawaii was still three hours behind. Uh, I have been there before. 
there was a three-hour time difference. I'm not sure if it's with the uh, time change that just happened, whatever it is, but two-hour time difference. So we are a little off. That is my fault for not recognizing the difference. We will compensate and make do as best we can. The book we are discussing today, Skimmed, uh, I guess part of the introduction was going to include the fact that Dorothy Roberts is a three-time guest on the program, and this is a subject that we've talked about uh, with importance for a variety of reasons, me being a prenatal uh, yoga instructor. One of the major themes that was talked about was breastfeeding, natural childbirth, and how these resources are often restricted from black moms. So there were many reasons. Uh, we'll try to point those out as we roll along that this book uh, stood out to me as uh, I just heard about it a few months ago, very recently published that so we're actually getting fresh off the presses release. Uh, our guest, in addition to writing the book that we're going to discuss this evening, she is an associate professor at the University of Hawaii at Manoa William S. Richardson School of Law. Uh, will be a pleasure to discuss the book. If you have questions, don't while gag, get your hand up. Joining us live from Hawaii, our guest, Andrea Freeman. Thank you so much for sharing a bit of your time. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I hear you perfectly, and thank you so much for inviting me to talk to you and your listeners. I'm really excited. Thank you for hanging in there with the time mess up. My apologies. <laughs> Do as best we can. It's, we don't have daylight savings here. That I think that's the problem. That might be it. What uh, For our listeners, I'm sure for a lot of folks, this is their first time hearing from you. Uh, any information that you think would be helpful uh, for them to know about who you are and the work that you do as we get into it? Yes, thanks. So most of my work focuses on a theory that I developed now ooh, a long time ago, over 10 years ago, called food oppression. And it looks at how government and corporations work together to put out programs and form partnerships that create and perpetuate racial disparities. And they often are able to do this because of stereotypes, racial stereotypes, that make choices that are not actually choices but are the results of structural oppression. Uh, look like failings in a community, in a culture, when in fact they are just circumstances determined by these partnerships and causing people to have no choice. Uh, for listeners who have not seen you, you are a white woman. Is that correct? That is correct. Right on. Uh, this program, Context of White Supremacy, uh, I use the word racism and the word white supremacy. I use them as synonyms, and I use the same definition for both terms. Uh, the definition I use is as follows. A global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom they classify as not white. Uh, do you think such a system exists, and do you think that definition is accurate? Yes, and I think by your definition, I may not be white <laughs> because I'm Jewish. Um, and so I often find myself in situations where I'm not classified as white by other whites, but I have white privilege in society, so I self-identify as white. So I think that your definition complicates the issue in an interesting way. Wow. I would spend more time on that 
if okay. we had more time. <laughs> I think we could have another conversation yes. one day on a, a whole other topic. Yes, we will have to do that. But push, folks can put a tab in that. We will push forward. Uh, on this program, I have uh, – you did identify as white previously, so uh, is that – Yes. Okay. Uh, I do fine. enjoy speaking with white people and asking them uh, questions about white supremacy, racism. Uh, specifically, there was a non-white author. Uh, he wrote a piece on racism that was in a major publication a few years back. And one particular sentence, he said that white people are often sincerely and greatly pained by racism – but rarely are they pained enough. And I looked at the first portion of the sentence. White people are often greatly, sincerely, and greatly pained by racism. And I said, wow, is that true? And so I've gone to white people, white people that you're around, you study race, racism, uh, just your mm-hmm. view, your observation based on your experience as a white person, friends, interactions, and such. Do you think that a substantial number of people classified as white are often sincerely and greatly pained by racism. Unfortunately, I would say maybe that's an overstatement. I would say that most white people who consider themselves, if not anti-racist, then you know, liberal or progressive, are maybe annoyed or dismayed. I wouldn't say that they often experience great pain. Um, I don't think that anti-racism is a guiding force in the life of many white people. I think it's a small minority, and uh, there's a lot of work to do there. Hmm. One thing that I have found many times in conversations on white supremacy, racism, uh, people, white people, in, in mm-hmm. my view, white people often do this deliberately. They don't speak accurately, correctly about white supremacy, racism uh, as a mm-hmm. way of practicing racism so that we don't get an accurate understanding of what's happening. Uh, non-white people, we've been exposed to this. We get encouraged to use incorrect terms and are frequently punished for speaking about racism, white supremacy at all. Dr. King's holiday is coming mm-hmm. up. Uh, yeah. But we have asked a lot of white people and a number of white people have said that that is a false statement. White people are not greatly pained about racism. And in fact, keep that in mind. As we hear about the Fultz quadruplets, um, I had not. Well, what? One more question before we get to the premise of skimmed. You wrote in the prologue. Let me make sure I can pull it up. Boop, 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 boop. I've <laughs> devoted many years of researching, writing, and thinking about the complex and often hidden relationships between racism and food. The Fultz family story touched me in a way that no other has, but it is not my story. I am wary of white people telling black people's stories. Why? Uh, There is often an element of exploitation, of appropriation, of inaccuracy, of white people always wanting to speak for people of color without, uh, you know, listening and kind of leading instead of following when it comes to anti-racism and other justice issues. So in my daily sort of intellectual and emotional life, that's something that I'm very, as I said, wary of. Hmm. 
I didn't know about the Fultz quadruplets uh, before reading your book, I guess for our listeners, since they're kind of the centerpiece of how you examine uh, what you call racial disparities with regards to breastfeeding, reproductive justice issues uh, regarding black mothers. Uh, The Fultz quadruplets, can you kind of share with our listeners who we are talking about, how Dr. Klinner uh, intervened uh, and pet milk got involved and then we can kind of go through the book and, and ask questions and piece more together but just kind of lay out the overall so they understand the Fultz quadruplets Absolutely, so in 1946 in North Carolina Annie Mae Fultz who was black in Cherokee gave birth to the first recorded set of black identical quadruplets who also happened to be extremely beautiful cute, charming little babies and then girls. And um, she, her doctor, Fred Klenner, was an unusual type of doctor. He was white. He was racist. That was not unusual. But he was um, not considered to be very, he did not have a lot of stature within the medical community because he had these theories about vitamin C and its healing powers that had others perceiving him to be less than legitimate. So when the girls were born, which they originally thought were going to be triplets, but then ended up being quadruplets, he decided he would use them to try to prove his theories, and he started injecting them with vitamin C on the day they were born. Then he decided that he was going to name these girls after members of his own family, so his wife, his daughter, his mother, and his aunt. And then he put the girls up for a bidding war among formula companies to be the first to use black models in a marketing campaign. So the winner of that was Pet Milk from St. Louis, and Klenner made a deal that they could have exclusive rights to use the girls for their promotional purposes. And in this deal, he was able to continue to have access to the girls for his experiments for many years. And I don't know if you want me to go into it now, but uh, it's, all of this turned out very badly for the Fultz sisters and their family. Mm. We will pick up some of those details about how badly this turned out for the black family. <sighs> 10 years, almost 11 years of the cows, uh, the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks, Rebecca Skloot. That's another one where a white woman wrote a book telling black people stories. Uh, but that is very important and reminded me a lot when I was reading this book. I thought of Henrietta Lacks a lot right at the beginning uh, from the theft said, wow, that I've heard this story before Uh, medical apartheid. How could I not think of that one as well? Harriet Washington Um, with the tenant. Actually, that's a great lead in for my question. The Fultz quadruplets will get to the details of how they were used. Dr. Klenner pet milk uh, to discourage black moms from breastfeeding be more reliant on synthetic formulas uh would it be accurate to say that this is a study in chemical biological warfare Hmm. interesting (laughs) i'd have to think about that i don't know what is what is your thinking about that well i'd like to hear your response i mean is is what i said true is this a project deliberately racist campaign to discourage black moms from breastfeeding move them to using synthetic formulas is that accurate yes for I, but I would think primarily profit oriented. So 
I'd have to think before answering further about the concept of warfare. Is breast milk healthier than the synthetic formulas? So there is some controversy about that, but every major medical association, both internationally and the United States, has said that it is. However, there are studies that say that there are a lot of other factors that go into these studies and that under certain circumstances, all being equal, they could be equivalent. Hmm. It seemed in your book, Skims, that you, it seemed unequivocal that the scientific community had come down pretty unanimously in saying, hey, breast milk, unless there's some sort of uh, medical uh, condition that's preventing yeah. the breastfeeding or something else is happening, the child is not latching, unless there's some sort of intervening medical condition, breastfeeding is, I think magic bullet, because I do pay attention to metaphors, was magic bullet the metaphor that was used to describe breastfeeding? Well, it's often de- described as liquid gold. Liquid gold, the metaphor, mm-hmm. the metaphor. <laughs> so if breastfeeding is liquid gold and yeah. we make it, whoo, yeah. I might even, let me go back and read a little bit more from the book because I read this book and was fascinated. And I, we were going to start with the introduction to let you know where you are. Dorothy Roberts is a three-time guest on this program. We discussed That's killing boring. the black body. We discussed yeah. fatal invention. We discussed shattered bonds. Ian Honey Lopez was a guest on this program. And in the first, I mean, like in the first hundred programs, we've done over a thousand in the first hundred mm-hmm. in honey Lopez, Dorothy Roberts were here. Medical apartheid, like mentors and friends of mine. They're now, both excellent. Let's yeah. go to the book and keep in mind that odd answer about, is this chemical and biological warfare? Now you talked in the book, this is page two. <laughs> you talked mm-hmm. in the book. Yes. Half a century after the birth of the Folt sisters, make sure I get the correct do, 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 do. half a century after the birth. Uh, oh, it went too far down. Let's get back up up top. That's where it is. Yes, here we go. The consequences of this coming. The company with the highest bid would be the first to target black women with a formula advertising campaign. Dr. Klenner, white man, selected the St. Louis St. Louis's pet milk company for this honor. The deal he made with pet milk set in motion a chain of events that would lead to Annie Mae losing not just the right to name her girls, but the girls themselves. The consequences of this contract reached far beyond the Fultz sisters. Pet milk's campaign directed at black women reaped unexpectedly high profits. The company was one of the first to market anything but alcohol, tobacco, and beauty products directly to black families. Now, again, this campaign is to switch them from liquid gold mm-hmm. to synthetic formula. And so I'm going to ask again in the context of the only thing marketed to black people is tobacco, alcohol, mm-hmm. and beauty products, probably some of which is skin lightening creams. Is this chemical and biological warfare? It might be. It might be. Yeah, that's as far as I can go right now. Much obliged. I I will point out, this is a moment where she talked about being wary of white people telling black stories. Man, man, this is pretty direct in my view. Is this chemical and biological warfare? Absolutely. Put this next to Flint. Continuing. You write about, just flipping through, this was a fascinating book for many reasons. You write... 
Milk provides a particularly cogent example of how food policy has a disproportionate impact on black communities. Most people, oh man, the sound clip, we missed the introduction, that's my fault. We had Dr. Milton Mills. He said it's institutional racism marketing milk to black people. And then I matched that up with page nine of the book. Let me start that paragraph over. She says, milk provides a particularly cogent example of how food policy has a disproportionate impact on black communities. Most people, except for Scandinavian whites, are lactose intolerant, making it difficult for them to digest milk. Even more seriously, research links milk consumption to a plethora of health problems, including heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. These health issues have led to a steep decline in milk sales for the past 40 years. Nonetheless, the USDA continues to subsidize dairy farmers and to dispose of the resulting milk supplies through its nutrition programs. Equally disturbing, neo-Nazi groups view whites' lactose tolerance as a symbol of racial superiority and purity. They communicate this belief through emojis, hashtags, blog posts, and public displays of shirtless milk chugging. Now, I'm going to back up to the first portion of this because I think that's important. But, man, I had not really seen as much of the last portion of the paragraph drink mm. milk consumption with white purity and white supremacy come on professor lehman really <laughs> that's what they do yeah have you seen any of the uh, no, videos of that no, no none of it all of that was new to me okay good i mean good that i could introduce you to something new bad that it's happening just can you give us a bit more detail on that just this connection and and how widespread this is in terms of of whites and milk consumption yeah uh, on specifically on the white supremacy yes yes please yeah um so this is one of the kind of subtle ways that these whites are trying to assert their superiority and so they have distinguish themselves as milk drinkers. And so a couple of the prominent figures, uh, Richard Spencer, this guy who calls himself Baked Alaska, they started putting milk uh, cartons into their Twitter names. So they used to have Pepe the Frog, and then they took that out and they put in milk. And if you look at some of their websites, they have poetry about milk they have these studies where they show who who drinks milk and around the world and then this uh, incident that i'm referring to was at a museum exhibit by sheila booth when he was it was an anti-trump art installation and a group of neo-nazis came in and took off their shirts and started guzzling jugs of milk saying that they were opposed to the vegan agenda. Also, if you, which I'm sure you have, seen the movie Get Out, then um, there's a scene in there where the white supremacist, one of the characters, I don't know if it's okay to spoil it, but uh, is drinking, eating her Fruit Loops separate from her milk in an uh, attempt to keep her milk pure. Hmm fascinating uh mm. a get out i did of course uh so the first portion 
of the paragraph, Professor Freeman. Uh, now, that contrasted with the high levels of lactose intolerance, particularly for black people and other non-white people, period, around the world. Yeah. And then con- this being deliberately marketed to black people, where it, I would suspect some white people know that they don't really digest this milk. It seems like they might have some problems to then have that marketed to them. I guess if you can dovetail that with the Fuller's, or oh, excuse me, the Fultz quadruplets, Dr. Mm-hmm. Klinner, and how PET comes into this equation, that would be awesome. So the idea of milk and the indifference to the actual medical and biological effects that would have, or as you're implying, the intentionality of that? Is that what well, you're one, the, the first portion, absolutely, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, prop, medical problems, because that's all mentioned in your book, and Black people, non-white people being more likely to have some intolerance, uh, difficulties digesting. Mm -hmm. That's one. And then, as I said, bringing in now pet Dr. Klinner, they work to deliberately target black moms with formula. If you can begin to weave that into the story, because I don't think we got that far in the Fultz quadrant. Yeah. So basically, this was a completely untapped market. And there is a whole history of all kinds of industries and companies being reluctant to market to blacks because they're thinking that their their products are going to be tainted by this association, that whites won't want to buy them anymore. Um, they have a trickle-down theory thinking that whatever white people want, black people will want, so there's no need to invest any money into separate marketing. And a lot of people, starting from the beginning of the 20th century, were were putting out papers and saying this is wrong. You know, this is a huge market. And you're not doing the right thing to try to get it. And uh, pet milk, I guess, in that sense, was uh, and they made it this bold move of deciding they were going to try it. And because of that, they were able to make millions. And there's also the fact that the marketing coincides with the structural aspects of society that make it more difficult for black women to to breastfeed, right, because there are higher expectations of them to be working. There are fewer support systems. There's not a safety net. Um, they're not really given welfare or, you know, other other things that support mothers. The idea of supporting mothers in society has always been white mothers. And this idea that black children are very self-sufficient and independent Black mothers are cold and uncaring. They won't want to to nurse even if they have the opportunity. So all these forces work together to make the marketing so profitable. Mm. Uh, can you include uh, how pet milk gets involved with the Fultz quadruplet specifically, like the, the terms of the contract? I believe uh, the term you used in the book, I uh, suspect deliberately, was the auction uh, that Dr. Klinner had for the quadruplets. Mm-hmm. Pet wins the auction. Can you give us some of the de- uh, details, including uh, the family, uh, Annie Mae, uh, what mm-hmm. they received as, as quote-unquote compensation uh, for, you know, taking their daughters away? Right. So uh, they got an endless supply of pet milk, and they were given an, a nurse who was chosen by Dr. Klenner and who allowed for this control that he would have over them over the years. And eventually he, well, when they turned six, 
Klenner went to a judge and told the judge he should appoint this nurse to be their guardian, which, of course, this white judge agreed, and the girls were taken away from their family. The the pet milk company bought a house for the Fultz family, which at that time was, you know, very unusual. But they bought it from Klenner's father-in-law on land that was just barren and hilly and really impossible to do any farming on it, so really setting him up to fail. And then in this house, they built a nursery with a big glass window where Klenner advertised in the local paper to have people come through and look at the girls like a human zoo and and pay money to see them. So everything that they were given was really, in the end, of no value. <sighs> Context of white supremacy. Uh, parceling out children. And again, this is not like 1800s. This is not that long ago. I'm sure if you, uh, we probably have some listeners who are alive at the time that this happened, or at least your parents uh, were alive at, uh, at the time that this uh, happened uh, to just be taken away completely uh, from there. Again, it reminded me of uh, Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. You could have probably picked a lot of different uh, episodes uh, at that time. And then they're going to be used uh, in this campaign. Wow. Look at, Oh, and before I even move forward, there were so many points in the book where you point out the uh, light complexion of the Fultz quadruplets and even in more modern advertising for uh, baby formulas and what have you, you will often see uh, a lighter skinned child, even if she is with a black parent, black dad or, or black mom. Can you talk about that? Yeah, basically colorism is alive and well in formula marketing and advertising. And so what I'm saying in the book is that that's no coincidence or surprise, right? That the, the girls being so light skinned, I think made it more palatable to to the corporation, you know, that whites would accept these girls and that even now when it, whites are confronted with the idea that maybe there's a white parent in the mix or, you know, the babies aren't that black, then that's something more appealing to them. Mm. You, uh, in the book, you talk about some of the history uh, of breastfeeding and how it's changed both the marketing campaigns and what have you laws around this. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting, you talk about the history of wet nursing, uh, during slavery. We talked about some of that, uh, on the cows before and how even that can impact, uh, how black moms think about breastfeeding, how black people in general think about breastfeeding now because of that history. Uh, there was one point where you talked about for a period, it was seen that, uh, black breast milk was best. Uh, either for malaria protection or just white moms didn't want to do it. Just can you talk about that period and then how that was switched to what we have now? Yeah. So that was a very self-serving way of looking at things, right? Because when whites thought that black women's milk was better, then it made sense to them to try to get it by any means possible for their babies, right? So using a black mother to nurse white children and making it more difficult for her to nurse their own made some kind of sense under white supremacy and slavery. 
because, you know, whites should get the best of everything, right? But then once the views of breastfeeding changed from something that was onerous for white women to something that white women should do, then that also changed the views of black women's breast milk, where it became less desirable. But even um, more recently, we've seen with milk banks attempts to recruit black women, and again, this is a very exploitive industry, and so it's not surprising, but I think there we still see these stereotypes about black women's ability to produce a lot of milk and the milk being high quality, unless, of course, it it serves white purposes to see it as tainted or um, just less in some way. Mm. You talking about this transition uh, to where breastfeeding became this revered, revered for white mothers, almost exclusively for white moms on page uh, 50 black breastfeeding in America. That's the chapter it's from. You write uh this movement led to the birth in 1956 of La Leche League, a group of white women formed the organization which promoted breastfeeding by providing lactation support to new mothers, primarily in white communities. La Leche and like-minded groups also led the boycott of Nestle in the 1970s. At least one million babies in African countries died in the 1960s after caregivers mixed or diluted Nestle's formula with contaminated water. In the responding campaign against the company, predominantly white activists used the suffering of black mothers and babies abroad to transform attitudes towards breastfeeding at home. The subsequent shift in the United States from formula use to breastfeeding and the accompanying health benefits, health benefits, health benefits, primarily benefited the white community. That's what I mean about chemical and biological warfare. But I thought that was a very important uh, point yeah. uh, in terms of white women shrewdly. This is another one when people say that white people are ignorant about racism and when people simplify racism to the man. Remember this mm-hmm. paragraph. These don't sound like these white women are ignorant about racism, nor do they sound like they're just going to sit back and let white men do all the heavy lifting we got our part. We're going to do our part. Can you just give us a bit more detail on this, please? Well, that's also really a reflection of sexism, right? Because if it's something to do with babies or mothers or families, then of course it's going to fall on women, right? To take care of it, to think it's important. So we have this kind of strange, well, but very common, right? We have white women on one hand being advocates uh, for uh, women, but completely ignoring racism and equating women with white women instead of black or brown women, right? So um, what what do you want me to say? <laughs> Something else? Well, I was uh, just hoping for a bit more detail uh, to make sure that people do not miss what I think is a very important point because that's so shrewd uh, because they're not even saying that, oh, man, this is really impacting us white people. They're snatching mm-hmm. suffering from black people saying, hey, it's all right. You all can do that over there. It's not like you gave a whole lot yeah. of details about them going to say we're going to stick up for the black families that are suffering on the continent or wherever they happen to be from, you know, what Nestle's doing. It's, right. oh, this is terrible. Look at what they're doing to the Negroes abroad. You're not going to do that to us white women here at home. But beyond that, 
the response, your response, Professor Freeman, to my question about chemical and biological warfare and your response to that question right there, those would both be reasons why I, too, am wary of white people writing about black people's stories, because I do not think that this is an example of sexism, nor do I think this is an example mm-hmm. of white women like yourself ignoring racism. It's an example of exactly what I said. They're not ignorant about racism. They are very aware and consciously practicing racism they didn't ignore the black females in getting hey we want to make sure nestle or none of these other companies are behaving like this towards us us white moms in the u.s they didn't ignore black moms in the u.s they're practicing racism they're doing what they've always done we always mistreat we don't even think of them as human beings we've talked about that before that's in killing the black body of course we're not thinking you don't qualify as a woman you don't qualify as a man and i'm sure you know that better than i do as a law professor so that to me i just think is you practicing racism white supremacy deliberately with response because that happens a lot white people bring up sexism when that is not relevant to what we're discussing Uh, okay you on page 55, I thought this was important because you talk about uh, is formula going to be offered and how those laws change depending on where you happen to be on the globe and just whether or not the formula is offered, that has an impact on whether moms are going to breastfeed or not. I just I want you to give more detail on that because I think that's important. But I want people to keep in mind, Danielle McGuire she was a guest on this program 2011. We talked about her book at the dark end of the street, talk about reproductive rights and so-called sexism about the history of white men raping black females. Specifically, one of the things that she said was that black people in a system of racism have a hard time telling white people no. And as a result of that, you can end up with a whole lot of rapes where white men make an advance And the black female doesn't say no. It happens in a work context. That's what she's talking about at the dark end of the street. Just move that Mm -hmm. over to the delivery room where now it's maybe Mm -hmm. it's you want a natural pregnancy and you don't want any of the drugs. Are you going to be able to say no? Maybe it's formula. Maybe you want to breastfeed and no, I don't want any formula. Are you going to be able to say no to a white man or white woman in a white lab coat? Now, can you give us about whether the the formula is even offered to you or not? In the hospital? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I think a lot of times there are assumptions in hospitals that black women just won't even try breastfeeding, and they're, so the support is not offered, and instead the formula is offered. What impact does that so, have on willingness yeah. to breastfeed? Well, breastfeeding is hard. And if you don't get help, then there's a much bigger chance that it's not going to happen. And it also makes it more difficult for the babies because once they've, you know, experienced getting it easily from a bottle, then that makes latching on harder too because that's just harder to do. It takes more work. And, you know, we all want to reduce our workload, including a baby. And you talk about in your book a number of countries where this is not allowed. And in fact, they have much stricter regulations, uh, both on the warnings that have to be on the bottles uh, for synthetic formula and on whether or not it's going to be advertised or even allowed in the hospitals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the United States is very focused on capitalism 
and selling things and somebody's going to make money if you give out formula and nobody's going to make money if somebody's breastfeeding. Hmm. I do think NPR had a report on social programs, social welfare programs mm-hmm. in the U.S. It was within the last six months. And I paid attention because I'm in Washington State where they don't have a lot of black people. And they said, mm-hmm. and they had it figured like there's a tipping point. Once there's a certain number of black people, all the benefits go down and the punitive sanctions, which you talk about in the book, skyrocket. Uh, and mm-hmm. some of that even seemed to me in the areas where there are substantially fewer black people, they have much better benefits and what have you for moms, much longer paternity leave, much more supportive right. of breastfeeding. Uh, on 63, you talk about some of the targeted race targeted formula marketing uh, said before, since uh, whites were not accustomed to uh, promoting much beyond alcohol, cigarettes, skin bleaching products to black people. This is new terrain. Yeah. And so you have a fascinating flyer here. Don't do this. If you want to sell your products to Negroes, I just want to read number six and get you to talk about uh, some of what happened with this marketing campaign and how successful uh, they were because they made, as you already said, they made huge amounts of money, but number six reads, don't overdo comedy situations, gag lines or illustrations. Avoid even by suggestion, there's a nigger in the woodpile, or coon, shine, and darky. And there's a whole long list. I just read number six, but it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but can you, the, apparently, they followed the code. Apparently, they did these things because they were super successful, yes? Yeah. I, I don't know if they were successful or they just didn't understand anything else. Right. I mean, that's along the line of minstrel shows and uh, generally in white society, acceptable racism right out there. And the, no one's even trying to hide it like you see in more modern times. Right. Also, I'm going to have to go in two minutes. So can you ask me anything that you urgently want to ask me before I go? And I'm very sorry again for the time mix up and having to go get my kids. Uh, let's see. On page 121, you write, uh, interracial heterosexual marriages inevitably result in at least one partner losing or gaining status. White men do not gain race or gender privilege from marrying black women, so they often limit these relationships to sexual or casual ones. In 2017, 64% of all black-white marriages involve black men and white women. These matches provide societal status benefits for both parties and continue to be much more common than the pairing of black women with white men. White women gain some privilege associated with maleness from marrying black men. Can you explain, like, in detail what privileges white women gain from marrying black males? I don't know. If I talk about racism, you're going to say I'm being racist. I mean, sexism, you're going to say I'm being racist. So I don't know if I want to go down that path. You can't list what privileges a white woman well, gains. I could. From... <laughs> I, just, oh, well, I don't them. want to follow let's it. Hear them. Um, but also, them. let me uh, refer you, because we've now used up the two minutes. Well, you didn't answer uh, my question. Wait a minute. No, I know. I'm going to. I'm going to. This is, let me finish. Um, That there's a great book by Angela Onwachi Willig, which is called According to Our Hearts. And it's about uh, interracial marriage. And it's uh, where I've got a lot of that material from that you're 
referring to. So you're saying what kind of privileges do white women get from being with black men? Marrying black males, yes. Yeah. So um, you could start with financial, right? That men, you know, we have a great pay inequity in society. Men make more money for the same jobs. So just marrying a man is likely to increase your your income or your wealth. That's probably the most important one. And then just being in society, having the protection of a man, more men will kind of lay off you. You're not as vulnerable. You you just have more status generally by association. Is there that. anything else that a white woman gains privileges specifically that a white woman gains from marrying a black male? You got, we got financial and then protection. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. What are you thinking about? Well, I'm I just feel trying like to you have something in mind. Yeah, I'm trying to make sure I scrape the bowl since this is the last one. So you know, I want to make no, sure I, I, I want to make sure I get as much detail <laughs> as I can. Is that is that all you can think of that they would that a white? That's woman, all I can think of off the top of my head. Protection and financial gain. That is, wow, wow. Uh, I certainly did have other questions, and again, that was my error. Hawaii time zone little off I was an hour off in the time zone but be that as it may uh, we have discussed skimmed uh, breastfeeding race and injustice Andrea Freeman joining us live from Hawaii man uh, perhaps we can get you back on the program to go through the rest of the questions that yeah. I did not get That'd to be great. Uh, finish up I had a few more and we didn't even get questions from our listeners so I'm sure I know and more. I was looking forward to that that was going to be the fun part so yeah. I am really Sorry that we had the confusion, but I'll be happy to talk to you again. I will email you about seeing if we can do a follow up sometime when you have a free moment and I'll make okay. sure that we set aside to like, I'll try to do it right at the beginning. We can go directly to callers so they can ask questions. Cause I'm sure folks okay. saw about your book and all that. So we'll see if we can get that done quickly. Uh, much obliged great. for uh, hanging in there with us and getting through what we could. Andrea Freeman, again, joining us live from Hawaii. We will be in touch. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Much obliged. Much obliged. Context of white supremacy. Man, oh, man. I am upset about the time swing. I was a little, uh, I guess, overconfident and not double checking because I have been to Hawaii before. And it is uh, a three hour time difference in the summertime. It is not a three hour time difference in the wintertime. I was there in the summertime. So if we had done this program in August, it would have been a three hour time difference. Still learning should have double checked to make sure three hour time difference. So I am disgruntled about that victim of racism will do better. I'll remember that from now on. No time, uh, daylight saving time in Hawaii. That being said, man, oh man, if Professor Freeman had been here for the full two hours, there probably wouldn't have been a need for a follow-up. We could have <laughs> we could have done one time and we would have got everything done. Because uh, I had got, let me see, where am I at in my questions? I'm about I had about 
four or five more. I had about four or five more. So I did get through a little bit more than half, maybe six, seven, maybe six, seven more. But I got through the bulk uh, of the questions that I wanted to ask. I had a compensatory investment request as well. Uh, But her response, this white woman is not ignorant about racism. Not that any of them are. Her response to the question about chemical and biological warfare. Man. That one told me a lot. That and her response about women saying that that was sexism. White women making a campaign. Even the name of the group, they call it La Leche. We had a white woman on the program, Jane Hill. She was here in 2012. And she talked about how white people will sometimes strategically use non-English languages. Spanish was one she focused on a lot where she said they'll do this in a way to practice racism. Sometimes it'll be slang. Some you can even add when they use uh, slang that's associated with black people. Uh, like when they, they come in and they're going to copy somebody and you know what's, what's going down, pimping, that sort of thing. That, that would be the same type of thing, a racist performance uh, with switching up the way that they talk. Why is the group called La Leche? Why not just call it the milk, right? We're English. You fuss at people for not speaking English. Why not just call it the milk? You're not advocating for so-called Latina-speaking moms, right? That's not what you're doing. But anyway, asking her, these white women, they go out and see, wow, you got these black moms suffering from Nestle's no no good intentions with their formula. We don't want that happening to us white moms here. And so we use the suffering of black moms on the continent to make sure that we are better protected here. White Women, white families are better protected here. How does that become an example of sexism? That white men aren't going to do this. And I'm sure white men would have to be involved in the process. I mean, if we're going to be talking legislation and what have you, a lot of white men involved with legislation, Congress, the Senate, especially in the 1970s. So it's not like this is all white women. But I mean, how does that become sexism? Pay attention to that. We're talking about racism, white supremacy, and they will switch it up and say, oh, this is an example of sexism. See, white men are going to do this. So they just leave it to the white women to uh, take up the role of what's going to happen with uh, sexism and, and birth practices. No, this is how white women practice white supremacy racism. White man can't do it all. White woman can't do it all. What have we said for years? You got to have equal partners on the plantation. This is white woman. I'll be lead on this one. You can be lead on other projects. Sometimes they switch it around. Sometimes they share. Sometimes they switch back and forth. You can do things in a lot of different ways when you dominate. This is what white supremacy racism looks like. And then the reasons that she gave, man, what would a white woman gain from marrying a black male? Finances. Dr. Curry, because we've heard this before, Dr. Curry pulled the results specifically 2012 federal census data and it showed black males do not make more than white women why would a white woman in this in matter of fact in the known universe it wouldn't just be the United States why would a white woman in the known universe say oh yeah that Eric Garner that's going to improve my financial standing. That that colored fella out there selling Lucy's, they say, even though I don't think there was any evidence that he was selling cigarettes, but whatever. 
that fella out there selling uh, loose cigarettes that the police keep harassing. Oh, yeah, that's I'm definitely going to get that business loan once I marry him. Oh, yeah. Let's hook it up. Let's hook up. Michael Brown Jr. Oh, yeah, that's going to boost my financial stand. We got a strapping young black male from the best educational institution in St. Louis. Oh, yeah, that is going to improve my financial standing. What? What was the other one? Protection. Protection. A white woman. I need protection in a system of racism. I'm going to marry a black male. Does that even. That's why I said if we had if I had not watched the time, there would be no need for a follow up. We would have done one hit it and quit it. And we could just move on because I mean, wow. Wow. Be logical, man. We've been here 10 years. Don't be talking crazy. Uh, the audio segment I do want to make sure I get in my introduction because it was important in terms of context we talked about so many of the things in the course of the program that were included in the uh, introduction Uh, and it comes it covers a lot of the material that we have examined over a decade plus almost 11 years uh, on the program Uh, it starts out Valerie Jackson she is a white woman she was a guest on the program in 2012 we discussed her book Property very important you'll hear why Uh, Dr. Milton Mills is a black male he was in the documentary film What the Health Uh, Dr. Ruby Lathan uh, black female she's been a guest on the program uh, three times she's also in that documentary but they talk a lot about racism white supremacy and food consumption you'll hear from Dr. Milton you'll hear a segment from NPR that just aired two days ago, literally two days ago. I was, uh, I can even give context or I'll play it and then I'll give the context. But this is the introductory segment that I wanted to start with that I thought was so important just for providing a context for the discussion that we had with Professor Freeman today, context of white supremacy. To, to humiliate and to control a large captive population, which is what they had. Yeah, and the plantations were sometimes the the owners and the white people were outnumbered 100 to 1. So this was a, a, a really uh, challenge to have constant control, and they came up with these various little twists and systems to make everything as perverse as possible. One of them was, was that, uh, and, that, and this, I'll say this because you're thinking of reading the breastfeeding scene, um, white women didn't breastfeed their babies, their slaves breastfed the babies, so when Edgar Degas came to New Orleans, he said, you often would see sitting on a park bench a woman with her own baby on one breast and her owner's baby on the other. And I was thinking about that woman's situation as a mother, which I am. On one breast, she has her own child who she doesn't own herself, who she can't hold on to, who may be sold. And on her other breast, she has a child who will own her. Wow. So that takes all the maternal impulse that you might, I mean, everything that might allow you to have a normal maternal feeling towards a baby that you're nursing has been twisted so that you can't have it. Black babies cost less. Sarah was sitting forward, her long hands folded in her lap, her eyes resting on the child. The drop of milk still clung to the dark, flesh of her nipple. It seemed a wonder to me that it should. I dropped to my knees on the carpet before her 
and rested my hands upon her wrists. I could feel the smooth, round bones through the thin cloth of her sleeve. I leaned forward until my mouth was close to her breast, then put out my tongue to capture the drop. It dissolved instantly, leaving only a trace of sweetness. I raised my hand, cupping her breast, which was lighter than I would have thought. It seemed to slip away from my fingers, but I guided the nipple to my lips and sucked gently. Nothing happened. I took it more deeply into my mouth and sucked from my cheeks. This is what he does, I thought. At once a sharp, warm jet hit my throat and I swallowed to keep from choking. How thin it was, how sweet. A sensation of utter strangeness came over me, and I struggled not to swoon. I could see myself kneeling there, and beyond me, the room where my mother's dead body lay. Yet it seemed to me she was not dead, that she bore horrified witness to my action. And beyond that, I could see my husband in his office, lifting his head from his books with an uncomfortable suspicion that something important was not adding up. This vision made me smile. I closed my eyes, swallowing greedily. I was aware of a sound, a sigh, but I was not sure if it came from me or from Sarah. How wonderful I felt. How entirely free. My headache disappeared. My chest seemed to expand. There was a complimentary tingling in my own breasts. I opened my eyes and looked at Sarah's profile. She had lifted her chin as far away from me as she could. Her mouth was set in a thin, hard line, and her eyes were focused intently on the arm of the set. She's afraid to look at me, I thought, and she's right to be. If she looked at me, I would slap her. Black babies cost less. All right, this is a black female. Uh, actually, she's, she's a black mother of two. Uh, she says, I've been working in a warehouse. Uh, uh, I've been working in a warehouse for the last four going on five years. Uh, I was pregnant with my son and they were sort of accommodating to my needs. I did have some issues, but I made it through. Before I got pregnant with my daughter, I was only working part time. So it was much less stressful. I've been the only female working there for the last four years so I'm always the center of attention uh, rather whether it's because of my pregnancies or how I wear my hair uh, that day I really didn't have any code when it came to my pregnancies my job doesn't require a lot of talking to others my overall code has been to go uh, go into work and keep the contact 
to a minimum. The women there are older and very toxic. I don't delve into my personal business. I would never allow them to touch me or invite them to baby showers uh, or uh, gender reveal parties. I have run into an issue recently when it comes to breastfeeding with my son. Uh, I only went about six months. I was working so much that I felt sort of rushed with the supervisor that I had. She would be on my every move, on my every break. When he had turned five months, she asked me, uh, was an idea, and I had to run into an issue recently when it comes to breastfeeding with my son. I only went about six months. I was working so much that I felt sort of rushed. I'm like, I read that. Felt sort of rushed with my supervisor that she would be on my every move, on my every break. When uh, my son turned five months, my supervisor at the time asked me when I was going to be done, which I thought was very rude, done with the breastfeeding. I was a first-time mom and just getting the hang of nursing. Fast forward to now, my daughter is 17 months. I've been exclusively nursing her entire life. Wow, that is super commendable. Uh, they, in uh, prenatal teacher training, uh, they said that I think one of the world uh, recognized health boards, probably a lot of individuals classified as white, uh, but they say uh, should be breastfeeding exclusively until age five, which I found, I mean, whew, I couldn't even imagine, but they said five. At minimum two. That's what I've heard con pretty consistently recommended from uh, a lot of folks who do a lot of child nutrition, especially the people that give big some big thumbs up on the breastfeeding first two years. So that is spectacular effort for the first 17 months. Uh, I've tried weaning, but she's not interested. So I figured that I would go until she was at least two. Uh, by law, it says there, my job can let me use the lactation room for one year and they would allow me extra break time. About a month ago, my supervisor told me that HR wasn't going to let me use the room anymore. I asked, would it be OK if I use my lunch breaks because I was still nursing? And she said that would be fine. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I go to use the room and it's locked and they changed my code so I couldn't get in. Mind you, when I first started using the room, there was no locker code that I needed to use. I feel like they only put that in place because of me. I've seen maybe two women from the corporate office use it and they didn't use it very long. So I go to use the room and it's locked. They changed my code so I couldn't get in. Uh, mind you, when I first started using the room, there was no locker code and they needed to be used. I feel like they only put it in place because of me. I've seen maybe two women that repeat. Uh, I went to HR and asked, could I get another code so I can use my own time to pump? She told me to pump in my car. Black babies cost less. There's a strong link between dairy foods and autoimmune diseases. And so that can show itself up as excessive production of mucus and exacerbation of asthma in kids who are prone to that and even adults and also there's an association between dairy foods and multiple sclerosis and type 1 diabetes which is an autoimmune disease and other uh, rheumatologic problems. Cow's milk is baby calf growth fluid. That's what the stuff is. There's absolutely no child or human on earth who actually needs the milk of a cow any more than they need the milk of a giraffe or a mouse. Most people in the world are lactose intolerant. I mean, that's the normal state of affairs. Why would your body create this enzyme to digest lactose after weaning, after infancy? It doesn't make any sense. 73% of African-Americans are lactose intolerant. 95% uh, of Asians, 
uh, roughly 70% of Native Americans and about 53% of uh, Hispanic Americans are lactose intolerant. Our government is encouraging Americans of color to eat foods that it knows is going to make them ill. Ultimately, what that boils down to is the government is telling me as an African American to eat food that's going to make me ill for no health benefit so that it will benefit uh, dairy farmers as a form of institutionalized racism. Black babies cost less. Another merry major dairy chain is filing for bankruptcy protection. Borden Dairy Company, whose products include milk and ice cream, filing for bankruptcy protection at a time American refrigerators are increasingly becoming filled with dairy substitutes like soy and almond milk. Borden, whose smiling Elsie the Cow mascot first appeared on milk cartons in the 1930s, dates back to 1857. I'm Jack Spear, NPR News, in Washington. Context of white supremacy. Save the cows. That's right. Invest if you think the cows is constructive. Uh, you can visit the blog racism-notes.blogspot.com. Racism-notes.blogspot.com. PayPal button is in the top right corner. Uh, we are also on Cash App. Cash.app forward slash dollar sign the cows much obliged to all the folks who have invested we are also on Amazon uh, the wish list Gus T Renegade much obliged to all the investors who have supported nearly 11 years I hope the program has been continues to be worthy of your time and energy wow so the audio segment that we just heard Again, at the beginning, you heard a white woman, Valerie Jackson. Uh, She wrote the book uh, Property, which is about it's plantation plantation fiction, but it's about specifically the role that white women played uh, in the plantation during slavery era, uh, plantation era of slavery. And it has this scene where a racist uh, is raping a young uh, black enslaved child boy. Uh, and it has the scene that I read uh, where this white woman uh, comes and uh, sexually terrorizes this black female uh, suckling at her breast unbeknownst to her without permission all of the but you heard that was the portion that I was reading infamous passage from this book property uh, then you heard uh, let's see we had Dr. Milton Mills as I said from the documentary what the health uh, over, even before we got to that that was me reading a caller. We had a listener. She wrote in about her experience attempting to breastfeed uh, and to exercise milk on the job. They had they have a lactation room until, uh, oh, no, your year is up. Go do that in the car. Go out. Go out behind the recycling bin. Can't none of that here. Changed up the code. Not at all. You can't do it on your free time. Whammo. Like <laughs> and she Professor Freeman has a whole portion in the book talking about that sort of thing exactly where that is common practice uh, where black moms, they make it really difficult and uh, they're in jobs where they have, you know, really poor policies, if any, for maternity leave. And they're not going to make any accommodations for you while you're pregnant or afterwards. If you want to breastfeed, if you need time off or if you, you know, just want a private area where you can go pump. Uh, and then have a refrigerator where you can store everything, keep it fresh, that you, you can, you know, get it to the child when they need it. Oh, no, we're not, you know, supporting any of Like, what did, you, what did she say? What did she write? Go do that in your car. Yeah, we don't support any of that. Here. Get out of here. What all that? That's 
the experience of black moms, even in the Me Too era, because this was recent. She wrote that in a few uh, towards the end of 2019. Then we heard the documentary. What the hell? That's why I said chemical and biological warfare. If white people know that was a white man speaking in between Dr. Uh, Milton Mills, but white people know that a substantial number of non-white people in the known universe. They have difficulty digesting milk, and that doesn't mean just because you have a scoop of ice cream or you have, you know, some Fruit Loops or whatever your cereal is uh, with milk since Get Out was mentioned. That doesn't mean that you, you know, immediately go into convulsions and hives, but that can mean uh, that you end up having more mucus. As he said, it can be expressed other ways where you end up having more gas. You might have more flatulence. It can be expressed in other ways or even just how you feel. Sometimes we have been so uh, desensitized because we're constantly terrorized. We're not, we don't really recognize how some of the foods that we consume, how they impact us, uh, which is huge. Uh, and I know for a lot of people that they said that they did notice that they were having reactions uh, to dairy, even though they you know, were never like officially diagnosed as being lactose intolerant or never thought of themselves that way that they did you know, notice that they do have some sort of reaction uh, to dairy. Chemical and biological warfare, if you have individuals who know, oh yeah, this is this is not gonna be good, especially for these here colored folks. This is not gonna be good. But let's dump it on them anyway. In fact, let's figure out ways that we can market heaps of it to them. Heaps of it. Let's see, we so we we, we market the cigarettes to them, check, we get the alcohol to them, check, we get the skin bleaching, check, what's next? Milk. Yes. That'll be awesome. And we will use these little nigger gals here in North Carolina, Mr. Reed. We'll use these little nigger gals for them. We'll use them to sell it. And we didn't even get to the details, right? So they auction. That's the word she used in the book. They auction these uh, quadruplets, the Fultz girls. They auction them off. Uh, the pet company and this white Dr. Klinner. And she says the doctor, he's a racist. He's studying Adolf Hitler. He's teaching his child about guns and the Nazis. Like total, you know, not uh, not racial bias not ignorant like full-on committed race soldier dr clinner so he uh pet milk wins the auction uh she already said uh shirley sharp i believe uh even some black people they get uh black staff to come in and help same thing we've heard before uh tuskegee experiment and all that sort of thing uh so they auction them off uh they get a guardian who's going to watch over the folks children after they sever ties from the parents, uh, even before the parents, they put them on this raggedy plot of land where nothing would grow. It was like hills and rocks. Same type of thing with like Oklahoma. We'll move you trail of tears. Oh, we got a great spot all picked out for you. It'll be awesome. And they move you somewhere where it's just like rocks uh, and nothing will grow. Same type of deal. So they put them on this farm like, oh, yeah, it'll be great for the parents. Then they took the quadruplets from them and left them in squalor. Uh, the mom was, you know, devastated about all this. The mom had a disease where she couldn't speak uh, because she had a disease when she, she had an illness when she was younger. So she's traumatized about this, losing her uh, daughters. The these young girls, it's not like they're living in luxury. It's not like pet. I mean, they get milk, right? <laughs> all this milk and formula that's going to be great for them. Uh, but it's not like they're living in luxury. It's not like they have uh, the best schools and all of this. They get like an allotment of money, but it's meager. Uh, she has a portion in the book where as they get older, uh, they go to this debutante ball. Man, it reminded me of show offism so hard. It was so sad. They got, I believe, we'll say it was. 
we'll say it was $12,000. I could get the exact figure, but it was in that range for all four of them. So they get this $12,000, and that's for the whole year what they're going to get. They had to spend like all but $11, and I remember that number exactly. They had to spend, oh, I'm going to round it up to 12 because it was 11 and some change. They they had to spend all but $12 of all the money that they were going to get for the year, and they're in total squalor uh, on dresses to go to this debutante ball, which was in the snow. Like they talked about it was so bad that they were going to cancel even going. Uh, it was so bad. The roads were snowing and everything. And it was like a 70 mile drive. Uh, I forget it. We're, we're not even going to do this, but probably we spent all this money. We, we gotta go. We, we gotta risk our lives to get to this debutante ball. So they go and they got all these nightgowns and everything. And then they got $11 to get to the rest of the year. Show offism. That's, came to my mind immediately Neely Fuller Jr. and how we get uh, encouraged to waste time and energy on things that are of no value at all anyway they have to go to all these appearances some of the spending is required by pet they make them like go out and do all these uh, appearances and they're in like photo shoots they got all these ebony ad life you can imagine so ebony you're reading ebony or jet and they'll have an ad for Newport cigarettes and then you'll see an ad for the Fultz quads drink milk and then it'll be Hennessy or, you know, whatever the liquor is. Colt 45, pick your pick your era. So the Fultz squads, uh, their school is disrupted because they have to go here and there. They get ended up with pictures with John F. Kennedy and President Truman and all these folks. They're celebrities as they're growing up. But their school is disrupted because of all this. You know, they have to leave uh, at a moment's notice to be here or to be there or to be at this pageant in New York or wherever it is. And just the odd life of being quadruplets. And, how, and, and uh, she talked about it. They had them on display like they were at a zoo. They took them from their parents, took them from their black mother put them in this house with a window so the people I think it was they had a certain time like from three to five each day people could just come by and look like they're at a zoo looking at at what is it looking at monkeys and apes because that's about the size of it to just come by to look so obviously they're going to you know have some disruptions and problems with all this being removed from their mom lots of trauma and the injections I forgot about that Dr. Clinton he's injected them with uh, these vitamin C injections from birth so they've got all kinds of, you know, issues, problems, things of that nature. Uh, they end up getting the 18. They were supposed to have all of these scholarships where they could go to college and do this and do that. But they end up not having the best grades in school. Big surprise. Institutional racism, they call it. School to prison pipeline, they call it. Uh, and all the disruptions that I talked about with Pet pulling them out of class. She has lots of examples of that in the book. Uh, so all these scholarship offers get withdrawn. They turn 18. Uh, I think someone, uh, what they call it, pulls some strings. They get to go to Bethune-Cookman. They go there for two years, but they really struggle. They need like remedial classes. They have a hard time adjusting to the social environment, and they uh, want to be uh, near each other. So they end up being asked to leave. Uh, They go back. They try and get their lives together. And uh, it's just, I mean, they're just victims of racism uh, at this point. Like there's very little said about them, very little written about them. There's no advantage. Uh, there's no benefit. There's nothing that you can point to. I think they had a raggedy piece of property uh, that they eventually sold and divided amongst the four of them. But I mean, it was nothing that would dramatically improve their life. Like pet milk made enormous money. And Dr. Cambon, that's camouflage. 
he insisted, he wasn't talking about uh, breastfeeding and all this, but he insisted in general, the system of white supremacy, they confuse you a lot of times and they'll have you think, oh yeah, it's capitalism. We heard a lot of that with Paul Robeson. It's class. It's about money. That's what it's about. It's about the capitalists, the industrialists. No, it is not about cash. It is not about money. The number one motivating force in the known universe, as stated by Mr. Fuller, I agree. White supremacy, racism, white people frequently find ways where they can make a lot of money while practicing white supremacy, racism. Nothing is better than that. And that is exactly what pet milk did. We made a whole lot of money, maybe more money than they even thought they were going to make in the campaign. And were extraordinarily successful. You were talking at a time where you had midwives, doulas, lots of black females were not even having, uh, lots of females, period, were not having uh, their child's children born in hospitals. This was a part of a huge migration to getting people having their children in hospitals and you're not going to breastfeed anymore doing formula, which is not an improvement. That's another one Mr. Fuller encourages is this an improvement, which is a great question to ask. You're giving me all this free formula. Uh Oh, <laughs> that should be a suspicion right there. Red flag right there. It's free. You're giving it away. Wow. White people generally don't give us, they don't even give us cigarettes. Like, wow, you're giving, Hmm. Is this better than breastfeeding? That would be the question that liquid gold. That was the metaphor. And I think, uh, the magic bullet was used as well because it said lots of scientific evidence seems to suggest, Wow this breast milk stuff is amazing. We don't even grasp all the quality. They even say the breast milk changes according to the needs of the child. Learn that in prenatal yoga teacher training. It changes. It can sense, oh my goodness, maybe a little deficient here, maybe a little deficient there and can change to meet those needs. That is amazing. Pet milk cannot do that. Borden is out of business. Cannot do that. Is this an improvement over breastfeeding? That would be a great question to ask. Chemical and biological warfare. So many things. White people understand this. That's why they have white moms breastfeeding and making it easy. And yes, making this more acceptable norm for white moms to do this. We do not make this norm normal or acceptable or promote this for uh, black mothers make in fact make it difficult and I know black moms who breastfeed and they have talked in detail about their experiences not just uh, our listener who wrote in that I talked about black mothers that I know personally uh, have talked about this and the racist lewd treatment uh, that they receive when they are out in public or sometimes even in their own residence if they have guests uh, and what have you chemical biological warfare and in fact I knew some of this information I didn't I didn't know about the Fultz quadruplets at all as I said I didn't know about white people bragging about drinking milk as an act of racism white supremacy although that's not surprising the symbolism of the white milk but alright I'm still learning but keeping black mothers from breastfeeding I knew about that. We learned about that in uh, prenatal teacher training, keeping black moms from breastfeeding and keeping black moms from having uh, natural childbirths. That all goes together, having those cesareans and all of that, make it make that process as unnatural as possible, make it as gruesome as possible for the mother uh, and the black child, everybody involved. That's why they had Richard Williams in the uh, nursery crying 
when his daughter was being born. We read that in black and white the way I see it. Uh, but extremely uh, important in terms of uh, breastfeeding and the numbers of black moms who end up, like I said, where this is made difficult in a variety of ways where it's not encouraged, not supported, even having children, period. Uh, we had that pro- back in uh, 2012, the International International Center for Traditional Child Bearing where the founder, she was with us, where she said that under no circumstances is black motherhood celebrated. She said, hey, not only am I co-founder of this organization, I have a doctorate. I'm not, what is it, what is it the welfare queen? I'm not down at the social services offices uh, demanding, you know, extra food stamps or, you know, some other nonsense. Like, I can take care of myself. I have a husband. I have a doctorate. I have a bank account. I'm good. In fact, I'm so good that I can have a child and I think we will not have to starve or beg white people for government assistance. No matter. (laughs) It was still no cause. It was, oh, I'm going to have a baby. Oh, are you going to keep it? Oh, Lord. (laughs) She said, my gosh. And she said it would be totally different. I can say when I started yoga teacher training, I I just said, I know black moms. I was just there for her natural childbirth I told you all I started the very first day of my 200 hour teacher training we were going around the circle we were doing introductions there was a white woman who spoke before me she said I just got a brand new cat they hooted they applauded they cheered she almost got a standing ovation I followed her getting a new cat thinking I'm somebody and I said well I was just at my friend's uh, the birth of her child she just had a new daughter That was about the size of it. I said, man, they just, they hooted and howled for the cat. I just, it was, next. Okay, I'm done. Under no circumstances do we jump up and down about a black. She even, I was going to ask her about that. If we had more time, that was one of the questions. I said it's about seven that I didn't get to. She did talk about Beyonce and being so public about the birth of her children and posting on Instagram and how it got a historic number, a historic number of likes uh, on social media from the postings of when she was pregnant and when she uh, delivered most recently that may be true I'm sure it would not take me too long to find a whole lot of illustrations of white people practicing racism white supremacy against Beyonce at all uh, around all of that the same thing that I've seen with Serena Williams and even if it was let's say it was uh, every single white person in the known universe uh, who put a like down for Beyonce that in no way shape form has anything to do with how they feel treat other black people and I would even say hey we got some of the same things she called it colorism Uh, you really with someone who I frequently see with blonde hair and is not the most melanated person she's a victim of racism but I mean even that is we talked about that the Fultz quadruplets are pretty light that's a part of the frequent advertising schemes what is it black get back yellow mellow Brown stick around. Somebody I know used to say that a lot. If folks have any thoughts, what they heard from Professor Freeman, I will follow up with that email. My apologies for not double checking the time. If I had done my diligence with that, we would have got our listeners in. We could have done everything in one shebang and been done today. I will do better. Still learning. If you have thoughts on what you heard from Professor Freeman, 605 
313-5164, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. If we have any parents, uh, if you participated in breastfeeding your child, that would be awesome. Or if we have folks, if you have any experience in terms of uh, if you have children, even if they're older, if you uh, remember uh, any experience in terms of being offered formula or conversations about breastfeeding to do it or not, if you did breastfeed, like I said, that would be spectacular if you're able uh, to dial in to share that experience or if you just have thoughts, questions about Professor Freeman. I guess if I could get one moment, one more thing I do think is important. Uh, a number I think of our listeners have talked about the responses that white people have to my definition of white supremacy racism and I laud uh, Toronto, be in Toronto and others. I think Thomas in New York and other folks who, you know, try to think about definitions for racism, white supremacy, and thinking of the most accurate definition, how you explain what we mean when we say racism, white supremacy, that is super important. When I gave my definition of white supremacy, racism, and I asked her if it was accurate, such a system exists. She said, yes, there was no, you know, hesitation, which we hear from a lot of white people. She didn't do any of that, but she immediately, and I had already asked her, I said, are you white? And she said, yes. When she, when I gave the definition, she said, yes, that's an accurate definition and that system exists. But by your definition, maybe I would have to reclassify. Maybe I am not someone who is classified as white. I, um, we could go back and replay it. I had to think about it. It might even be worth a quick rewind. That was telling right there. And I think a number of folks have said, oh, man, you can hear it immediately. White people, they are able to follow logic. If that exists, if that's what white supremacy racism is, then, oh, man, that makes it real simple about what it means to be white. And that's what she said immediately. Like, oh, man, if that exists, well, then I'm not white. I'm Jewish. In fact, a whole lot of people, in fact, have told me that I am Jewish. I might, in fact, have a relative that I think is step and fetch it. We've heard that before i think some people even have a term for that they call them transformers individuals classified as white who under certain circumstances when victims might be accurately suspicious of them or when it might be to their advantage to allow them to deceptively practice racism maybe i switch it up maybe you know i'm jewish maybe i'm egyptian Maybe I'm transracial. That's one I've heard uh, as well. <laughs> they got the trans. I'm transracial. You know, I've been doing some research uh, and it seems that, you know, way back in the 1800s, I did that uh, 23andMe the legacy. I was I did one of those surveys, you know, I sent it in online and they said that uh, I'm 30 percent Nigerian. So, you know, I'm uh, thinking I'm going to be marking some other race now on the racial. I mean, are you classified as white? And I think I went back and asked. I said, now, I did ask you if you're classified as white. Is that a career? She said, yes. And she said, I benefit. I get the privileges. I benefit from white privilege is what she said. She didn't say that she practiced racism, white supremacy. She said that I benefit from white privilege. But at times, me being accepted as a white person is challenged. I'm Jewish. And I said I would have spent more time. That's when if we had the full two hours, boop. We would have stopped right there and spent more time on that because I think that, too, is how white people practice racism, white supremacy. When the conversation is accurate and logical about what this problem is, what it means to be white. Oh, man. Then. And I've seen this for years. I've seen this even before the cows existed, where 
yes, that is accurate. And now I am all of a sudden going to say that I am not white, even though that I may have known you for years and have been saying that I'm white for years. Now that it seems that you're getting a more accurate understanding of what it means to be white, uh, I do not think I'm white anymore. More than meets the eye, they say. Uh, folks who dialed, if you have questions, thoughts, again, if we have parents, if you have any thoughts, experiences, it would be awesome to include uh, around when you had your children uh, in terms of formula being offered. If breastfeeding was presented, if you attempted to breastfeed, if it was discouraged by anybody, uh, victims, uh, white people, whatever it is, that would be awesome. If you did breastfeed, man, it would be great to not be a spectator this evening. If you did breastfeed, Please share for any length of time. Doesn't matter. You know, just it would be awesome to share what that was like, what you encountered. 605-313-5164. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 to chime in. Again, I will email Professor Freeman and see if we can get her back on the program so that we can get you all's questions directly to her. Uh, see if folks have thoughts they would like to share. See the folks who dialed in with the hand up. heard? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, greetings, Gus. Uh, greetings, callers and listeners. Um, really good show. I think that was very informative. Uh, and uh, she exposed herself on many levels uh, as far as what I could hear and things she was speaking about. But um, a couple of things. One, from my, from my own personal experience, I have two sons. My first son was... Um, given a cesarean uh, a C-section. Um, this occurred during a time frame where I actually stepped away from her room. Meaningly, I guarded the room because they kept on coming in saying she can't handle the natural birth. She needs to get a C-section. They kept on pushing it and pushing it. And it wasn't until I, I got really tired and I'm talking, I was there from probably 10 AM to 10 at night and I got a little tired. Her friends came over. I walked her friends downstairs to the door to say goodbye and thank you for coming for the support. I came back upstairs. She was being rushed in the emergency room to get the C-section. And it, it just blew my mind. Um, and in the process after he was born, they automatically gave him shots without asking me. So he had uh, some kind of some kind of hep, hemp shot, hepatitis shot, and these other things that I didn't even know about. And I was extremely, it was like really, it was a really frustrating birth. They were so unaccommodating. Um, and I'll speak about this because this gives you, gives you an idea. Um, I was involved in a, in a so-called interracial relationship and had a child. And that birth with so-called white woman was completely different. Um, and I mean that to say she was treated, she was treated, yeah, cowbell. She was treated so different compared mm -hmm. to, to her. And I, I, you could see from every transaction, from the way they communicated with her when the baby was born, um, when my son was born, they allowed her to be to hold the child because she didn't get a C-section. It was a full natural birth. They gave her all the condiments, anything she needed, ice, water, extra pillows. Um, it, it was just a complete different experience. And that's something, and also he didn't get any shots. 
at all while we were there. And the baby was in the room with us. Unlike with my first son, he was moved into a big room with a whole bunch of other babies. Um, so that was one of the one of the things I wanted to, to, to speak about first. Very difficult and, and it's very hard. And as a father, to, to anybody out there who's attempting to be a parent, it's something that you really have to bear in mind. It's a real team effort. Um, that being said, I wanted to uh, comment about, ask a question about the book that she was speaking about though, in regards to interracial relationships. And the question that you asked her, I wondered, what, I didn't get the name of that book for, for per se. So I was actually asking about that. Um, that being said, I'll mute my line and um, thank you for your time and energy. Much obliged. Uh, I bet it's footnoted here because she said that's where she got the information from. So if you give me a moment, I will check the footnotes and I'll probably, cause I don't remember the title. Cause it, I felt like that was another moment where she practiced racism because she wasn't answering my question. Like she stopped to give that book title as opposed to how exactly do, or what benefits exactly do white women derive from marrying black males as opposed to what book and all this. And it's probably a book written by a non-white person, but anyway, uh, much, thank you so much for sharing about your personal experience, uh, experiences. Um, that is so critical, uh, every aspect of it. Uh, from my prenatal teacher training, we would do things that you should tell uh, mothers to think about when they go into labor, uh, when they're pregnant. And then we would do things that you should think about for the dads, things that they should be thinking about if they're going to be there during delivery, what they should be doing. And it would be four things to focus on. And the four things to focus on uh, would be hydration. Get them water, keep them hydrated, very important. Uh, to the bathroom, checking, making sure, because labor can be a long process. Sometimes it can take, you know, more than a day. So making sure, helping if she needs to get there. Protect the space. That was huge. Does she need anything? Make sure that she's safe. And that means checking those doctors. He said, I left for a moment and bammo. That's when everything with the shots, the C-sec, everything when I left. That's what they, protect the space protect the space you got our back looking out those doctors come in asking questions and we've had i think we've had some other parents who've dialed in who talked about that when the dad was there and able to ask them it's not like you're there because i mean you're still a victim of racism so but still just your presence to observe dr uh Vanilla randall she was a guest on the program she said just having somebody who's there who's healthy you're giving labor it's not your job you're doing your job the dad, you can be the one. The dad can't be there. That have another family member, sister, mom, somebody. You need to be there. Asking, what is this shot for? What are you doing exactly? Is there an alternative? And then verifying with the mom. You all should already have talked. What is your plan? All of that. Just having that person there is huge. That's such a manipulative environment. Uh, we talked about that because of the system of racism, white supremacy, where sometimes black people are reluctant to say no might even need to practice that. We would talk about that in prenatal training. Sometimes you might have to tell that doctor, no, you're not going to bully me. You're not just going to do whatever you want to here. No. Super important. Uh, and also about the difference in how that white woman was treated. I submit that's not an accident. That's deliberate. They know the difference between a Negra and a white woman. 
that white woman, we're not just going to go with what he said about that touching is huge. Putting that baby in that mother's arms. We talked about that in prenatal yoga teacher training for hours and hours. The importance of skin to skin contact and how that starts building that child's immune system immediately get that child skin to skin contact if it can't be with the mom if she's having problems get that child to the dad skin to skin contact is important there are so many things that happen just on the basis of that child having direct skin to skin contact with the parent that's whether it's breastfeeding just the beginning of that hugging and holding that child close where they can feel your body warmth all of that is hugely important we talked about that how they design a lot of these delivery rooms so that the child would be in an area that is very far from the mom that this is done deliberately makes what breastfeeding really challenging makes skin to skin contact really challenging hugely important and in my view direct aspects of white supremacy racism uh, much obliged, sir, for sharing. Other folks who dialed in, if you have uh, comments, questions, observations, or your personal experiences, feel free. Chime in. May I be heard? Sir. Yes, sir. Can you hear me, Gus? Yes, sir. We can hear you. Excellent. This is Mr. Blue. I wanted to ask her about the use of Similac and other breast milk substitutes, specifically in non-black areas, if that was an extension of the whole pet milk agenda and agenda of the dairy industry to stop uh, non-white women from breastfeeding their children. And, um, and also, um, what she thought the benefits of colostrum in breast milk, what that benefit played with the development of infants overall. But unfortunately, she had to leave her. Much obliged, Mr. Blue. Uh, she talks in depth uh, about how disproportionately a lot of the programs where uh, those synthetic formulas are going to be offered for free or a lot of the programs because WIC, a lot of that stuff is subsidized uh, by the federal government uh, and they buy those synthetic products and they'll give them if you're on some sort of assistance, it'll be given for like the first six months. She talked about how a lot of times black uh, mothers, black families, black moms end up being uh, in programs and or environments where those products are going to be much more readily available to them. Uh, where white moms are not going to have many white moms, especially the more money they have. But I would say white moms in general are just not going to be in the same types of environments where those synthetic products uh, are marketed to them uh, and how black women disproportionately black moms are the ones who are using those products. So, yeah, it would have been interesting to hear. And again, that's why I said, is this chemical and biological warfare? I didn't think of it that way until I started reading her book. And then I just followed logic. I, I remembered Flint immediately. And I remembered what Dr. Welsing, she, she said, this is chemical and biological warfare until proven otherwise. If what I'm hearing is that breast milk is better than the synthetic, 
if that's what the reports are, if that's what's recommended, that's what they told us in prenatal teacher training, that that's what's recommended. Nothing's better than breast milk, not Similac, not PET, nothing. If that's true, and then on top of that, there are a lot of problems with dairy. If that's accurate, isn't this chemical and biological warfare? If you're doing things disproportionately to discourage black moms from breastfeeding and to get more of them to do these synthetic formulas, which are not an improvement, isn't that chemical and biological warfare? Just trying to follow logic. Thank you very much, God. I'll meet my line. Much obliged. Before you uh, hop away, uh, Mr. Sure. Blue was with us for the retreat down in Florida. Uh, not seems like it's been forever, but only six days. Uh, <laughs> any uh, any thoughts now that it's over? Uh, in terms of just your reflections, waste of time, uh, nonsense, can't believe drove all this way to come down and, and mess around and eat carrots and, and cauliflower for three, four days. Uh, any thoughts uh, on your reflections from the Florida retreat? Sure. Um, one, we shared um, the rest of the apple pie and the sweet potato pie Um in Miami, Florida, with my attempted partner's family, and they absolutely loved it. And I mean, everyone from her mother to her sister to her 13-year-old niece, they did not, they did not at once and at all say that it was disgusting, that it wasn't sweet. Every one of them loved it, and the apple pie, and they absolutely enjoyed it. Um, coming back, I realized that the um, gun ranges and the shooting ranges in New York with the New York state laws are very, very, very restricted than they are in Florida. In fact, me and my attempted partner, we cannot go to any gun range in New York City without having a permit for a handgun or a license for a shotgun, which are uh, no, a license for a permit for a shotgun and a license for a handgun. They're two separate things, almost like passports, passport card, passport book, permit for a shotgun, license for handgun. But in New York State, we are not allowed to go to any range for any type of um, training or shooting. And um, doing yoga, I have kept up, me and my partner have kept up doing yoga every day and that has been absolutely instrumental in the way we sleep how we get up in the morning and um and i saw the slideshow on dropbox so thank you very much absolutely enjoyable and wonderful and it was absolutely constructive time in fact it was one of the best one of the best new year's eve that i ever spent not drinking not eating, um, not eating bad food, um, not overspending any money going to any clubs or anything like that, which is what people say that you should do on New Year's Eve. And, um, and it has prepared us to come back into the, into the anxious, intense atmosphere of New York City. It was absolutely constructive. Can't wait to do it again. Much obliged. Uh, glad to hear you all have been traveling safely and that folks enjoyed the uh, the pies that we had. It's great. We had 
peanut butter cookies. We had apple pies, plural. We had sweet potato pies, plural. Like, man, it was ridiculous. Uh, but I'm so glad do continuing with the yoga. I'm thrilled. Uh, continue. I hope you all can uh, share the food, the recipes, and what have you. Uh, Chef Nadira started a Reddit group. Uh, she's begun uh, posting recipes and what have you. I'm going to post uh, some pictures and recipes as well. Uh, so definitely uh, continue post if you uh, prepare any of the meals, foods, any other dishes, share. Uh, Ma'am, just glad to hear the yoga. Like I hope uh, folks are able to find some benefit from it. Uh, it has been super helpful for me and uh yeah, there's a YouTube video with some of the pictures. Uh, the gun range, even that, like, man, we went to the gun range twice in Florida just for, for the differences in rules because that's a big part of skimmed. Uh, and I submit areas where there are fewer black people, they're going to have fewer restrictions about gun laws and probably better benefits for social services and all of that. If they got more black people, social services is going to be more punitive, probably going to have huge, huge, huge restrictions on gun laws. We went to the gun range twice in Florida. We had a group of six black people. Yeah, six black people. We only needed to submit one piece of identification for six black people to go shoot. When we went the second time, six black people, we only submitted two pieces of identification. And that was only because we got two guns at the same time. If we had just got one gun, we would have only needed one ID. They wouldn't have even ID'd all of us. All we just had to do was sign a piece of paper. And if one of you six niggers can come up with an ID, you're all good. You can go shoot. That's in Florida. You heard what he just said about New York. Now I'm here in Washington state. You can go to the gun range and shoot. All you need is a uh, valid ID driver's license or whatever it is. If you have that and you sign, you know, the form, you pay whatever it is, you can go shoot Washington. Now I say Washington state is gun country. It's very popular here. They have, um, bumper stickers that say, I think we got another Washington state caller here. They can verify for me. They got bumper stickers that say, uh, it has the Starbucks thing. It says love coffee and guns. That is totally accurate for this area. Guns and coffee. Uh, let's see. Other folks, dialed in if you have commentary to share. Lines should be open. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. So I'm a first-time caller, long-term listener of the cows, and I breastfed my son for about two years. He's two and a half now. And so I wanted to kind of share some of my experiences with breastfeeding um, and then also dealing with HR for instance, so when I was dealing with them, trying to explain that I needed at least like two breaks to to be able to pump, they asked really invasive questions. Um, they were inexperienced. They didn't really seem to have much um, like working knowledge on how to deal with me and pumping. Um, and so I preferred by the kind of end of my breastfeeding journey to pump in my car. Um, so I know you mentioned another mom who they offered that to her and she wasn't really feeling it. But for me, it was quiet. It was calm. It was way cleaner. They wanted to put me in like a, I don't know, it was like a storage room. I worked at a school at the time. So it was just kind of like a place with a bunch of old dusty books. So I preferred my car and I was able to use the hand pump. So I didn't have to plug in any devices or anything that was electrical or anything like that. Um, and then also after having my son, my milk didn't come in for like two or three days. Um, so during that time, I was pumping, making attempts, doing breast massages and all that. And lactation consultants 
nurses were coming in, they were threatening formula. Um, they were saying things like, you know, we're really concerned. Your milk hasn't come in. Your baby's not getting any food. We were really, you know, if it doesn't come in by the third day or fourth day or whatever it was, um, that they were going to really push for formula. So I just want to encourage if there's any expected parents, moms, or dads, um, just kind of go in to the birth process. Was kind of, for me, it was like a do or die mentality, like, being really clear about not wanting to introduce formula and then also having a birth plan that indicates that and printing out multiple copies so the entire hospital staff or whoever is going to be involved with the birth is aware of what your wishes are. Um, and then having a doula is really helpful. So if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's a non-medicated or a non-medical support person who could be in your birth room with you. Um, and so even if you're having a natural birth or you're not having a natural birth, it's someone who could speak up on your behalf because when you're like sweating and you're going through the whole birth process, it's just really overwhelming, especially if you're doing it for the first time, you might not be in the mental place to be able to express all of what your needs are. So your doula can come in and say, this is what she wants. This is what her needs or his or her needs are or whatever the case is. Um, so that really helped me a lot. Um, and then also, <clears throat> struggling to nurse like sometimes because it doesn't come in for a couple days if there's any new expected moms just understand that that's perfectly normal um one of the callers asked about colostrum so it's like that thick sticky substance it's not like milk it's a little bit thicker than milk but um what it does is it acts like a laxative so your baby can um, pass their first bowel movement easily um, and then it also, like, gives your baby, like, a bunch of antibodies um, right from the beginning. So even if the milk doesn't come, that colostrum, which comes first, is really helpful for the baby. Um, I know, like, moments after I had my son, a lactation consultant came in. She grabbed my breast. She tried to pinch my nipple, tried to force my breast into my baby's mouth. And so I'm like we need some distance here. Just let me do it. It's a natural process. Sometimes babies don't latch immediately. Um, and I know the guest mentioned that humans will go for the, like the easiest way out, or I don't know, maybe guess you can clarify, but it was something to the effect of whatever the less amount of work is. Do you remember her saying something like that? I think she was talking in the context of uh, sometimes if you give a, a newborn a bottle, that that can be easier to mm -hmm. suck from than an actual nipple. Uh, and I think that was where she said that mm -hmm. we all want to do less work. Uh, and so if the bottle is easier, then they might not want to go back to I think that was the context where she said that. Right. Um, so my experience is babies, they want to eat. So um, they can provide you with a nipple guard. So it's like a, a silicone covering that can go over your nipple, um, which acts like a... Um, it's kind of like a bottle nipple if your baby just needs help with latching. Sometimes they just don't do it immediately. So that can really help um, as one alternative to introducing, like, bottles. I didn't introduce a bottle to my son until he was – I mean, I don't think he really had it much at all. Um, but I know that that did help us because he was struggling to latch. And then also if there is a concern for your baby and their ability to latch or not, they're not doing it correctly – and moms, you can feel if it's not latched correctly because it will hurt. And if it's latched correctly, it almost like feels comfortable. 
in a way, but you can also bring in someone to check your baby's mouth, the roof of their mouth. Sometimes it's um, a little bit deeper, and so they might have like a tongue tie. Sometimes they call it like a lip tie that might be um, getting in the way of them being able to latch so they can kind of cut like a little piece of the skin in the baby's mouth so that way they can open their mouth wider. Um, so there's just a lot of interventions um, that I had to find out through my doula and just the research that sometimes the doctors are not going to offer or tell you, um, especially being a black, I guess, attempted mom. Um, and then I also wanted to speak, and I'm almost done, I want to speak to um, breast milk being able to adapt. Um, even if a mother has twins, breast milk production is so complex and so advanced that even um, if a mother is breastfeeding, you know, twin A versus twin B, one breast might be producing milk that is a little bit more waterier, um, like if the baby needs more hydration, and the breast on the right could be producing a completely different formulation of breast milk that's specific to that baby's needs. Um, and then last thing, I'm in Seattle, so if there's anyone that's interested in um, a Black birth workers dinner, it's January 27th at 4 to 7. Um, I just scrolled past it today in the um, the location and the specifics wasn't posted yet, but when it is, um, Gus, I can forward that to you if you want to share it to your to the audience. That's all I have, and I'll meet my wife. I should I should attend that. I'm a prenatal yoga instructor, and now I've read this book because my compensatory investment request. I was going to ask her for 25 copies of this book because I do think it has important information um, that you know like black moms, black people in general, particularly parents uh, should know, but especially it seems like moms and black parents, but I was going to ask her for 25 books and uh, breast pumps. She's a mom. She breastfed uh, breast pumps uh, because I could do a prenatal yoga class and I could give this book away with some caveats, right? <laughs> Tell them to listen to the program. Uh, I could give the book away with the breast pumps and then we could do prenatal yoga for eight weeks. I was like, Oh wow, that would be great. And it would be prenatal just for, black moms so I should go to that meeting and I can see if they would be interested in prenatal yoga or if they're yeah yeah I will attend so if you let me know I'll share and then I should go and see if they want to do prenatal yoga and I'm still going to ask and see if Professor Freeman will get us 25 books to give away right on oh I was going to ask my goodness <laughs> I had two quick questions uh, I told her I said now we talked before telling white people no somebody I know also talked a lot about black self-respect I think it would take quite a bit of black self-respect uh, under those circumstances even still I got my wits no you are not going to force that formula on me or you know you're not going to force something on me that diverges from the birth plan that we have that is one in that environment the difficulty of saying no resisting and then same question that I asked her since, you know, you said it was do or die for you. I mean, that makes it sound serious. Uh, the plan to divert black moms from breastfeeding to do formula is that chemical biological warfare. Those are my two quick questions saying no, sticking to your plan. And then is that chemical and biological warfare? Um, I didn't think of it as biological warfare at the time. Um, but looking back on it, um, looking at how formula samples, they're more heavily distributed in low-income urban or Black communities. Um, and then I know personally speaking, there's a lot of 
women my age who have like a natural aversion to breastfeeding. They think it's gross. They think it's something that their bodies can't do. They, there's like a stigma behind it. Um, and so I just think that there's a lot of mental conditioning that has come along with breastfeeding because there's so many black women who don't even make an attempt to do it. And it's something that their body, like their body is going to produce milk, <laughs> whether they want it to or not. Um, and so I've come across women who they use cabbage leaves to dry their breast out, supplements. They just don't want to do it at all because they think that formula is more convenient. And it's just, I can't imagine because formula is the cheapest thing you can do. And, I mean, excuse me, breast milk is, is, is so cheap. And formula is like $30 a can. Did you have any thoughts on uh, saying no, sticking to your birth plan before we let you go? No, I didn't have any issues. Um, like I said, it was serious enough for me to be like, do or die. Me and my baby are not going to be introducing any formula at all. So for me, it was like, you need to give us some space, let my body do what it's supposed to do. Um, and she was, I mean, not that it matters, but she was, oh my God, I'm so sorry. She was like apologetic. Um, but I did tell her, you know, I really don't feel empowered. This is my first time doing this. This is my baby's first time doing this. He's not even three days old. You have to let my body give itself some time to produce the milk. And after that, I mean, they didn't bother me. The milk came. My baby's two and a half years old now, and he's really healthy. Mm. He rarely gets sick, and I know it's because of the breast milk. Mm. Mm. Facts. That's in the book. Breastfeeding improved immunity they say it pays for itself that you can see better results in children that breastfeed facts that's why chemical i didn't think of it that way either i can't say that enough when i picked up skin matter of fact when i first heard about this because i heard about uh the book before i read it i heard about the book last year i read it this year so when i heard about it i didn't even think of this as chemical and biological warfare when i heard that that had that result had been produced that you have a lot of black moms who don't breast who think exactly like what we just heard they don't want to breastfeed they wouldn't think about it that is a direct result of white supremacy racism i didn't think of it as chemical and biological warfare but as i started to read as i said i just followed logic if flint if that is chemical and biological warfare this would have to qualify i could be in error but I mean, I, a lot of this would just come down, you know, is formula an improvement? If it's not, well, then we can wrap up. Like, make sure we don't glide over that. She said, if you have twins, one breast can produce substantially different breast milk than the other, depending on the needs of the different twins. I very seriously doubt white people are going to come up with an improvement for that. I could be wrong. I'm not a doctor. I could be wrong. Our guest for today isn't either. She's a law professor. Uh, let's see. Other folks, much obliged, ma'am, and super kudos for the breastfeed. That is super rent. Even that, which she said, make sure I don't gloss over that either. Those black moms who don't want to do it and they go through all these means to stop to, to dry out their breasts and things. That is the result of white supremacy. She talks about in the book how they're the pharmaceutical company they paid Chicago Hope to have an episode 
where a mom who breastfed her child died. Now, this is based on a real event where a black mom was breastfeeding her child. And I think it was something where the child wasn't drinking enough or I mean, just any sort of little natural problems that can happen. But the child wasn't gaining weight and died. And they prosecuted her for manslaughter. Uh, they were saying this sort of thing happens. You know, children die, unfortunately, and, you know, things happen. They were saying there were tons of cases where it was white mothers who were breastfeeding and the child died. And it was all oh, the sympathy and let's get them more, resor- more resources and, you know, let's get money so we can have more lactation counselors available for white moms and that sort of thing. Black mom. Oh, my God, this hussy. Let's put her in jail. And she tried to kill that. Not that they care about the black child, but just, you know, we love locking up black people. Any excuse will do. But they paid to have this episode on Chicago Hope to make it seem like oh my gosh breastfeeding is dangerous like oh you're gonna kill your child she talked all of this in the book she talks about how for a lot of or she but this is the way she put this the context she said if you just put an image for breastfeeding likely it'll come up an image for a white woman if you see images of black females breastfeeding frequently the image will be something from national geographic slave times it'll be something like that to, so that you have a very degree it's not like matronly like oh wow she's you know doing this great thing and bonding with her child and wow mother that's not what you think at all it's oh my god some heathen savage primitive act and oh I don't want it like that'll be what it'll be just based on the images that you see associated with just if you do a search like you can search on Google or even just go through your mental memory of the images that you see when do you see a black person breastfeeding when do you see a white person breastfeeding that has an impact on how that is a part of why many black people uh, think about breastfeeding in that manner along with the pet campaign and all the rest of the formula, lots of things uh, that go in a general lack of support for black motherhood, black children and black babies cost less. There's a reason that sound clip was there, but lots of things that go into why you end up with black mothers who would think that way. That is a part of race. That's another one. I wouldn't even think of it, but that is another way. Racism, white supremacy manifests just in thoughts that we have about things that are natural. That's what your body is supposed to do. Produce the best possible formula to nourish your child and in a system of racism white supremacy can make us think that that natural process there's something wrong with that that nah that nah, shouldn't be happening at all an inconvenience uh let's see other folks uh if you have commentary to share if you breast can i be heard M- can i be heard uh hurry both of you let's see we'll get the female caller and then m dc Yes, um, I just wanted to share my experiences uh, with nursing all, all five of my children. I get I nurse all five of my children. My youngest is 16 now, so this was back in the day for the youngest one. But at that time, um, there was very limited education offered, and I had already had experience with nursing my other ones, but I had some other concerns when having my youngest child. And what I found with just talking to my OBGYN was I wasn't given a lot of education just by asking questions. So I had to do a lot of research online to find out new methods or what was going on new. And it was not encouraged at all by my OGYN. You know, they they really didn't put any energy into 
being happy for my decision or anything like that. That was the first thing I wanted to say. But the other observation I had, um, everybody, was the choice for pet. The name, the, the there's just the whole name pet is degrading, in my opinion, uh, for them to say that, oh, they won the auction. Yeah, I'm sure they did, especially with the name like pet, and then to feature young uh, black children um, for a artificial uh, milk product being sold and targeted towards uh, African-American women. I thought that was degrading. Um, and then also WIC. Uh, I've been involved with WIC off and on with the years. And when they give you those vouchers for WIC, even when you're nursing, now they've changed it up a little bit, but even when you're nursing, they give you milk as, uh, as a nursing mother. At first, they didn't used to give you vegetables or anything, but now they give you a voucher to go to the farmer's market, and you can pick out fresh vegetables and things like that. That's fairly new here in Arizona where I'm at. But um, they do still, they still are very heavy on giving uh, milk in those WIC vouchers. Even to the young children, you get up to, I think, five or six years old, they give you gallons of milk on those vouchers. And unless you say, um, hey, you know, my child has been diagnosed as lactose intolerant or something, they don't give you an alternate. But even the alternate that you're given is soy-based. And soy is not a good thing that's good for our bodies either. And a lot of these um, formulas are soy-based, which brings up a, a lot of allergy problems in babies, uh, a lot of colicky and you know, uh, behavior issues and things like that because, and I'm talking not behaviors because they're babies. I'm talking about their mood and the way that they, they, they express themselves as babies because they're so uncomfortable with these soy-based products um, that is mostly the formula is, is a lot of soy-based in there as more so than lactose. So I just wanted to make those few observations. Um, right now, my son, my youngest son was not as fortunate as my other children to, to get the benefits of me breastfeeding him for quite a long time because I was under a lot of stress as being a newly divorced mother um, in a, right before I had him. So I ended up having to stop nursing him really early because I was not supported at all in work as a single mother, and I had to get back on the plantation, so to speak, so to be the sole provider of my family. And um, that was a big uh, thing at that time, having a, such a low income and trying to keep a healthy infant toddler uh, um, in there, uh, raising him. And honestly, I have, because of that, I feel like later on in life, he ended up having some more issues with not only allergy issues, but health issues, uh, behavioral issues. And I think a lot of that has to do with my lack of care that I was able to give him in his first five years of life, which are very, very important. And I see why they, they recommend five years of breastfeeding. The most I've ever done for my children was two years. The less that I ever done was my youngest son. And that was just like over a month. And I've seen the difference between my other children and him even to this day. You know, and none of them have immunizations, but I, I can see some slight differences. And I and um, I think that was about all I had to, to say that I had. Oh, and the ads that you were bringing up, um, 
you said that uh, the lady said that the only images that you could find were uh, National Geographic. Well, recently there was uh, uh, an online thing because uh, they had showed a woman with in a um, a baby carrier, and it was designed for nursing. And they had two different ads. So the ad that showed the black woman, she was by herself, but the ad that showed the white woman, she was with her husband or presumed mate of the father of the child. And that was just targeted uh, racism advertising, even in the the little sling for babies. babies. That, that was just not too long ago, maybe two or three years ago, that there, there was a controversy about that. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Black male privilege. <clears throat> black male privilege. Um, thank you so much uh, for dialing in to share. Um, hey, that's anecdotal, right, as they say. But, I mean, <clears throat> that's a, a attempted black mother telling you about differences that she can see just with her children and the amount of time that she breastfed. And that was the recommendation, uh, recommendation that we were given in prenatal yoga teacher training was five years is what's recommended. Breastfeeding the child exclusively for the first five years, which I think my jaw was on the ground for a good minute or so, but I mean, she was serious, <laughs> like minimum two years. The system of white supremacy, exactly what you just heard, that's what they have in mind. It's not by accident. That is total design. That's why Dr. Wilsey, she used to, you play around with sex, the joke is on the offspring. You have to have a plan because they have in mind, we are going to just totally terrorize that unit. We don't have communities. We don't have families. We're going to totally uh, terrorize that unit. Like they, the, they're think you'll be lucky if you get a week to breastfeed. They're thinking is you got a month, man, we got to get back to the drawing board. Let's, you know, she shouldn't have got that month to breastfeed much less, you know, years with the other ones. We, I think we had our, our other mom who's here in Washington state where she breastfed for the first two years. <laughs> we got to get back to work. That is absurd. That's not supposed to be happening. And for the most part, it doesn't happen. It's what we heard uh, from the previous female caller uh, that, yeah, I don't want to do this. The attitudes and what have you, all of that, even the, the black mom being by herself, of course, all of that. It's not happenstance. It's by design. Uh, and that's how you end up practicing racism so that you can influence what people do and how they think you don't have to be there when you dominate <clears throat> The images that you see when you go on YouTube, when you pull out your phone, when you're watching television or whatever it is, or when you're in the classroom, uh, whatever books you're reading, programs, Chicago Hope, whatever programs you're watching. She talked about that. She got a long list of movies. How about the word coon is in the book twice? I read the part where they had the code telling white people if you're going to advertise chemical biological warfare and get these niggers to do more formula and stop breastfeeding. How about don't call them niggers in the commercials? How about don't call them coons in the commercials? I read that part, right? Coon is in the book again. They talked about uh, the history of showing uh, black motherhood in films. And they went through like Birth of a Nation and the help. And uh, if she's going to be a mother at all, it's a mother to white children. That's what you'll see. Not her being a mother to her own children. If it's a black mom and her own children, it's more likely going to be something like the help, an abomination, uh, that type of thing. Um but she mentioned one of the first movies she mentioned was Coontown Suffragettes. That was one of the first, it's like an early 20th century film uh, that came out about the time of Paul Robeson. But Coontown Suffragettes. I said, now that right there, you could put that with the attitudes that some black people have about breastfeeding. You can put that with us calling each other coon. 
Now, why do we do that? Why do we think that way? Why do we think to call another black person a coon? Who started that? Who is responsible for that? Use your suspects. Black people having a low opinion of breastfeeding and thinking that that's an annoyance, something that you probably don't want to do. Who is responsible for that? Use your suspects. Other folks, much obliged again, ma'am, for sharing uh, your experience. Uh, other folks who dialed in uh, that we missed. Oh, M. Hondisi, thank you for yielding. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you. So I was going to, well, of course, I wanted to ask a question to the lady. Um, but, oh, I really want her to answer your question about is this biological warfare or is this not biological warfare? She'll have plenty of plenty of time to um, consider a response. Um, and then I was thinking, I'm sorry, I'm doing a lot of adjusting. I'm uh, anyway. So I was I was thinking I wasn't sure if I should uh, include this, but I think it's relevant. So while I was traveling uh, um, to Africa. Um, the, the times that I've been there, um, the first time I went there, I saw so, so much breastfeeding. Um, it was really interesting everywhere I went, um, in the, in the bus, uh, lady was breastfeeding, uh, right beside me. Um, uh, when I went to the market, women were breastfeeding. Um, uh, this time I went, when I went to one of the markets, um, I went into one of the shops and the lady was breastfeeding and she was, um, you know, I, I asked her, well, she, she was behind the counter. And, and so I had to uh, speak to her so I could figure out what I needed to get. And, uh, we just, uh, she told me what to get and everything, but she was comfortable. Um, and, um, my point was that I saw so much breastfeeding and women being comfortable breastfeeding. And mo most of the time they didn't, you know, like cover their breasts or anything. They, you know, they didn't just like have their breasts out for everybody to see, but, um, you know, they would just be breastfeeding. It, that's the most breastfeeding I've ever seen in my life. Um, ever. Uh, it, it is shocking that, um, five years is the amount of time that's necessary. I had no idea about that. I think that's um, very interesting. Um, so, uh, th those were the things I wanted to, um, add. Thank you. <clears throat> much obliged um that is that is an improvement and again i would say that is the influence of racism white supremacy where they can take something that again there is no substitute no improvement over breast milk they can take somebody on this program is known for saying white people do not care about children Anyway, to take a process uh, that would be best, uh, liquid gold, that was the metaphor that she used, to take that process and make it totally alien to where seeing mothers engaged in breastfeeding, whoa, that is the craziest thing ever. What are they doing here? Like breastfeeding, what is, where that should be totally, everybody should be doing that. Like, oh yeah, I was breastfed. My wife is breastfeeding. Like, oh yeah, that's my sister is breastfeeding right now. Like, yeah, best thing ever formula that's the way it should be like total opposite like formula my god what is that i've never heard of the come look at this similar i can't even pronounce it what is that that is the that's the way it should be and it 
totally opposite system of racism, white supremacy, and the health ram again, the health ramifications. It's the same thing with uh, chemically mutilating hair, which is another form of chemical and biological warfare. Call things by their proper names. Cigarettes, that would be chemical and biological warfare too. We had that program. If you're going to deliberately take something and market it to and place it in areas strategically where you have a high population of black people and you know this is going to be harmful to that's the I had to stop and look up the definition to make sure I was using the term correctly chemical and biological warfare term used to describe the use of chemical or biological agents as weapons to injure or kill humans livestock or plants injure and I think they just said just from using formula there's an increase of certain medical problems and Dr. Milton talked about that that is setting the stage what you eat early on eating that what is the uh, what did she say soy dairy products sugar that right there can set the stage for your palate and what foods you want and having cravings for all that processed nonsense where they put all that processed soy and sugar uh, and a whole lot of things that right there is setting your palate up where that's where you want that's what you've been accustomed to eating that was your nourishment from your mother those critical developmental years that's what you were suckled on they know because we got a whole lot of these soy products just waiting there we got to get rid of she talked about all of that in the book all of those products the soy dairy the sugar all of these subsidized products that white people got to get rid of and so we'll find all of these edible items that are not nourishing they're not going to build your body up they're just going to tear you down and have you sick and particularly for black again now is this chemical and biological warfare or not following logic and the same thing would be with the cigarettes the same thing would be with the alcohol chemical and biological warfare call things by their proper name other folks that we have missed totally Uh, particularly if you are a parent you did any of the breastfeeding you would like to share your experience thoughts uh, feel free to dial in it looks like because we had a number of folks on the switchboard who had a hand up who then dropped and I know we've had some interference uh, before so if there were disruptions with the line that would be usual suspects as well no surprise there I'll give out the number again 605-313- Five one six four. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, make sure I give out acknowledgments. Young academic with us. He was also with us at the Florida retreat and mailed in spectacular images of some recipes. Uh, did all kinds of veggies. I was stunned. Everything looked super delicious. We had just talked about the uh, cast iron pots. We were talk- We watched cooking videos together while we were at the retreat. Uh, we were watching uh, recipes for making a vegan pecan pie. And we were talking about different types of cookware. And he was showing off the cast iron pots. I was like, I need to get me a cast iron pot. And he was showing that off in some of the pics. Uh, we had uh, amazing food uh, that had prepared since getting back from the uh, retreat in Florida. Toronto, May 21 to May 24 looking forward to uh, looking forward to doing it again doing it better sweet potato pie again Uh, let me see if I can get that uh, footnote from 121 alright so this is footnote 70 
we'll see if I can track down the book that was requested footnote 70 read the footnotes I do try to encourage that when folks are reading and trying to maximize uh, and get as much information as they can read the footnotes okay flip to the wrong chapter all right let's try this one footnote 70 Oh, here we go. Okay, so footnote 70. Gretchen Livingston and Anna Brown. Intermission management for Jay. That's not it. For earlier statistics. Anwachi Willig, According to Our Hearts. I think that's the one that she mentioned. That has to be it, because it that's the name that sounds familiar. So it's O-N-W-U-A-C-H-I hyphen W-I-L-L-I-G and the book is According to Our Hearts. I think that was what she meant. I've never heard of that, but it definitely sounds like somebody who would be classified as not white. And I've said that whites have a uh, pattern of doing that. Quoting non-white people uh, who have incorrect things to say about racism, white supremacy. Yep, that was it. Angela Anwachi Willig. And then she has a picture of a black female with natural hair and a white man on the cover. Uh, yeah, I don't, I've never heard of this book before, but it's on Amazon. Looks like it was published in hmm, 2013. It's a sociology book on marriage. I'll read the, uh, the landmark book looks at what it means to be a multiracial couple in the United States today, according to our hearts, begins with a look back at the 1925 case in which a two-month marriage ends with a man suing his wife for misrepresentation of her race and shows how our society has yet to come to terms with interracial marriage. I wonder if this is a non-white person who's married to a white person. Like, yeah. Anyway. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Angela... Anwachi Willig examines the issue by drawing from a variety of sources, including her own experiences. Cowbell, yes, I'll take that. She argues that housing law, family law, and employment law fail in important ways to protect multiracial couples in a society in which marriage is used to give, withhold, and take away status in the workplace and elsewhere. She says interracial couples are at a disadvantage, which is only exacerbated by current law. I do want to emphasize there are very few of these in terms of white women who marry black men, uh, excuse me, black males and white men who marry black females. In total, they, I mean, like, less then 5%, we're talking less than 3% of individuals classified as white, male or female marry someone classified as black. It's not even that many of these uh, so-called tragic arrangements to begin with, to be focusing all this time on how law is really bad for them and what have you and diverting from white supremacy racism. We're talking about a very limited number of folks who are in these tragic situations but I will see if we can get her on the program uh, if you want the book title again according to our hearts Rhinelander v. Rhinelander and the law of the multiracial family published in June of 2013 uh, let's see I'll double check because like I said it did look like we got some disruption on the line <clears throat> uh, let's see young academic as I said did some outstanding cooking. Uh, did you have commentary to share, sir? 
Greetings. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. I just wanted to uh, make a comment. In most of the grocery stores in uh, Connecticut, they do keep the center lock under lock and key. So when you do purchase it, you have to request a manager to, in order to even access it. Mm. Much obliged. Good, sir. Uh, our guest, she did talk about that in the book, <clears throat> how it's expensive. Like what I say, they'll give it to you for free, right? In the hospitals, it'll be offered. Or if you're on WIC, they'll give you vouchers where you can get it for free for a period of time. And then it's not free and it's expensive. Uh, it can be $30 a can uh, to purchase it. And they, they, she even talked in the book. They make it expensive to compensate for the fact that they give it away for the first six months. So it's really not free. You just end up paying for it later on. Or the other people who don't get it for free end up paying for it because it's so expensive. But yes. And she said that they further criminalize uh, black parents, black moms. If they can't afford that $30 a can, they have made that a felony in some areas uh, to steal Similac. So not only is it behind lock and key like other products that they think that only the Negras want a felony for stealing formula to feed your child. That is what domination looks like in a system of racism, white supremacy. Uh, Not to jump uh, topics completely, but since young academic was also with us at the retreat, it's been roughly a week. Uh, Glad that you also have made it back safely. Uh, Any reflections whether or not it was a waste of time uh, coming to hang out down in Florida for a few days uh, just on, on how you are feeling post uh, cows counter racist yoga retreat to wrap up 2019. It was the most worthwhile experience of my uh, life. Uh, my family uh, has gone vegan now <sighs> since I'm the cook and I have been cooking nutritious vegan meals it has been uh, awesome i did a lot of reflection personal reflection i was it was just a great experience to be around like-minded individuals and talk about uh replacing the system of white supremacy with justice it was awesome man highest commendation getting the family man if you are the cook if you switch your eating habits, oh man, <clears throat> you, I mean, how many people's lives have you touched? You switch up. We're not going to have hot dogs and, you know, the rest of the nonsense anymore. We are going to have fruits and vegetables. We are going to eat fresh produce and <clears throat> we're going to do more veggies, all of that. Man, that's spectacular. Spectacular. Oh, that is best news i've heard for the day like uh wow keep it up uh like if i know he can cook so doesn't matter if it's if it's veggies i know they will have some delicious vegetables to look forward to and plenty of them he was telling us all about how he has his meal preps where he'll do a lot of cooking uh at the beginning of the week and that way he can store things and boom it'll be already prepped and ready to roll lots of ways that you can you know prepare delicious healthy meals and it will not be uh, burdens, or at least you can minimize the burden so that you don't have to, you know, slave and labor in the kitchen every single day. And you could even, you know, help it out so that some other people can eat well and not have to slave and labor in the kitchen every day. Bam, food will be ready for them to go. And it'll be healthy, delicious foods that are ready to go. May 21 to May 24, Toronto. Get 
your I got my form right here I printed it out you can go online I will post the uh, website you can go online you can fill it out or you can just print out the form I think it's on let me see it's uh, I think it's like five pages maybe six pages it's six pages all right it's six pages but you know six pages big deal uh, print it out you need proof of US citizenship you need proof of your identification like photograph driver's license or what have you state issue ID uh, I would just say get the passport uh, book. That is the better investment. Uh, that is 110, I believe, for the passport book. It's good for 10 years. That's why I say it's a better investment. And then it's $35 for the processing fee. And that's two separate fees that you have to pay <clears throat> when you go. If you go to the office, you can do it online too, but you can go to the office. But it's two separate fees. So it's 110 for the book itself. And then it's $35 for the processing fee. You can also get the uh, passport ID. I forgot how much that costs. That's a little bit cheaper, but it's not valid for as long. That's why I say you should just get the passport book. The passport card, I think, is valid for like it's it's something substantially less than 10 years. It might be like three, four years. I don't remember what it was, but it's not as good a deal. You should get the passport book. You'll be good for a decade and whammo. Any travel opportunities that present themselves, pack your bags. You are ready to go. And I think, as uh, the caller said, they are going to require that passport anyway for you to travel domestically. So if we would like to go to Hawaii and hang out with Professor Freeman and ask her some questions directly, you'll need that passport anyway. So you should go ahead and get it now. Toronto, May 21 to May 20. Ooh, they have a lot of gun ranges in Toronto, as I thought they would. So uh, you heard uh, Blue, Mr. Blue talking about his experience down in Florida, being able to shoot. <clears throat> Uh, we should be able to replicate that in Toronto. Canada is gun country too. So I thought we would probably not have too much difficulty doing that. We'll see if we can make that happen. That would be, uh, yeah, we'll see if we can replicate in Toronto. May 21 to May 24, more details to come. Uh, other folks uh, have any other thoughts, questions that they wanted to share on what they heard on the broadcast. Uh, if Certainly if we have any folks who do not think keeping black mothers from breastfeeding, uh, the campaign to get black mothers to use these synthetic formulas. If you don't think that's chemical and biological warfare, you should certainly speak up. Uh, if we have any other parents, if you have any uh, experiences that you would like to share uh, about breastfeeding, or if you did use formula, any uh, par uh, any portion of that, if you would like to share, feel free to speak up. Uh, we would appreciate hearing it. I think it fits well for this broadcast. Uh, I would encourage folks to go back and listen to the very beginning, particularly if you didn't get to hear. I know sometimes you people are rushing and system, you got things to do. Uh, but if you didn't get to hear the very first part of the program uh, with the definition, when I asked uh, Professor Andrea Freeman about my definition for white supremacy racism, super important. I had already asked her if she was classified as white Go by. I'm myself going back to listen. That is fascinating, and we've had that happen before, but for someone to say that they're white and then based on the definition of racism, white supremacy, begin to backtrack away from being classified as white. That is super important and gets right to the heart of why I always encourage asking, reflecting on what does it mean to be white? Any other comments, uh, reflections folks want to share? <clears throat> Can I be heard? M. Hondisi. Yes, sir. So I'm pulling over. Um, but I wanted to say that, um, okay, so just real real quick, I, I wanted to contrast what I what experienced in Ghana 
and in, in other parts of Africa to what I see here in America. And um, just that the women are allowed to breastfeed there. And the men don't just, you know, um, eye them, you know, what, you know, you know, I was trying to make sure I was respectful, but I mean, you can see them, you know, but I mean, over here, it, you, you just can't, you can't do that. You, you can't do it at work. You can't, you just can't even do it in public. You can't breastfeed. Um, and then I wanted to um, say that um, just, well, I don't have a, a wife yet. So, and I don't have um, any children yet, so I don't really know all the dynamics of breastfeeding, but I do know that if you eat healthy, that it um, affects the quality of the um, breast milk. And I, um, and I've um, dealt with, um, with people, with women who, have had um, difficulty or had uh, problems with their breasts just uh, because they've had children, but they didn't get to breastfeed, you know, um, uh, for, for whatever uh, reason. And they've um, had uh, serious problems. And that, that's just something, if you, you have children, I think it's, I think you're like, you really need to breastfeed. Uh, oh, and then the Jewish thing. I just think that's, <laughs> I really want to go into that, but um I'm not going to, and and I, I want to wait for her to come back and and give us some more information on that. Thank you. Yes, yes, I thought that was fascinating uh, myself. Uh, yes, I will email her promptly to see if we can get a quick return date so that folks can get their questions. And uh, I guess I'm generally not like elated about pursuing victims of white supremacy to talk about their tragic arrangements. We've done a lot of programs over the years. I feel like we've adequately covered that topic. We can move on to other things, but just since it was brought up, I might reach out to this person. I have to think about it. Uh, yeah, she has a Ted talk. Uh, I'm talking about Angela on a Willig. She is in a tragic arrangement with a white man. Her, uh, her husband's name is Jacob. Uh, but she has a Ted talk challenge your biases, America make fairer laws. I've talked a lot about that word fair as has Mr. Fuller. That is in the word God. Uh, anywho, any, uh, other thoughts, much obliged, uh, M Hondisi, uh, again for sharing. Hopefully we'll be able to get professor Freeman back. So you can ask your questions. We can hear what she meant by Jewish as well. Any other listeners have thought? See, I told you some of the folks, it looked like they got disconnected or disrupted. It seemed like there was some interference. Uh, let's see the caller at 2824. Did you have questions, comments you want to share? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Hi, um, my name is B from uh, Santa Rosa. Uh, I tuned in late today. Just got off my my uh just got off work and uh, i have a couple of questions uh number one did she did she leave like like run off the show hmm. uh I, other people can give their thoughts as well i guess my answer would be no with a caveat uh i made an error <laughs> with the time of the broadcast she's in hawaii I thought Hawaii, 
that there's a three-hour difference between where I am on the West Coast and Hawaii. It is a two-hour difference in the wintertime. They don't uh, set their clocks back. They have the same time year-round. So in the summertime, it is a three-hour difference. But right now in the winter, until they, until we here in the West Coast move our clocks up again, it's only a two-hour difference. So I was incorrect with the time for where she was. So we were off with the beginning of the program, and she said she would not have as much time. That being said, <clears throat> for the time that she was here, there were a number of ways that in my view, she practiced racism, white supremacy, and specifically at times in not answering questions where it was very convenient at the time that she left, uh, where she, maybe she had more time. She could have left earlier. I'm not sure, but it was very uh, convenient uh, just based on her conduct, which I suspect I told her as much uh, in her responses, just what we were just talking about definition of racism. I asked her if she was white. She said, yes. Then I asked her the definition of racism, white supremacy, my definition, if it was accurate, she said yes, immediately without equivocation, but then immediately followed and said, well, based on your definition, perhaps I am not classified as white. Uh, and at times I'm thought of as Jewish. Uh, and so that, obscures my classification. That's what we were talking about and saying, wow, that, that was just one of the moments in addition to chemical and biological warfare. But yeah, she, it, she did not leave early. Gus made an error with the timing of the program, which was announced at the very beginning. However, her conduct suggests she may have left early regardless. Oh man, I'm not to catch the playback for that one. Um, two, um, well, you can go back to the uh, lady before in Han DC about the, uh, the, um, the, the breastfeeding. Was it a calendar? I'm not sure what it was. But um, my wife's mom was part of a, a breastfeeding coalition over here in Santa Rosa at Kaiser. And um, they, they did a... a hello? You're there. Yes, hello? sir. Yes, sir. We can hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah, they did a contest who can send the best breastfeeding picture. And uh, we came in second place. And it was me standing outside grilling some uh, some vegetables. And my wife was breastfeeding my daughter and her little brother and sister was around us. And we came in second place. And the winner got five, gets $500 and they end up on the calendar. Our, our picture ended up on the calendar, but we came in second place. I don't know. And uh, a white woman won it, and she got the $500, but our picture's on the calendar. So we don't know what happened there. And two, uh, I mean, three, um, when, the late, when the lady before that lady was talking, she mentioned something about it was do or die, um, about breastfeeding. Like, who, who puts that stress on somebody when after they're having a baby and they're dealing with that? that that's... <laughs> Practicing white supremacy right there. It's, it's, it's insane to me. But uh, that's it. And uh, I'm my line. Much obliged to be in Santa Rosa. Um, that's spectacular. I'm glad that you all, uh, you and your wife, were, were breastfeeding and, and so had that much black self-respect about it and doing the pictures and trying to promote it, being proud about it. That is spectacular. I'm not surprised at who you lost to. That is what domination looks like. Of course, they will appropriate your image for free 
and you are in second place all of the funds will go to the white woman of course that's exactly what we've been talking about uh, yes you can uh, hit the playback to hear uh, the other portion as for the do or die that's so the stress component stress has an impact uh, if you're super stressed that can impact your milk if you're super stressed that can impact the quality of your milk I'm around black mothers who breastfeed so just think about that in the context of white supremacy even as he was saying in the hospital situation where it has to be that stressful where they're coming in if you don't do that and threatening you if you don't you know the milk doesn't come in by this day we're doing them like man back back up off me back up off me back up off us as a matter of fact like my god uh, give us 50 feet it will be all right like i mean and again we talked about a lot of this in uh prenatal teacher training uh and why you have a lot of white mothers who said i don't want that forget that i don't want to do the hospital thing i want to have a natural birth where I can have time, where I can have space, where I'm not going to be prodded, they're not going to be sticking us, sticking us with shots and all the rest of it, where I can have a peaceful experience where I'm not threatened uh, and have people coming up demanding that I make choice or totally taking the choice from me at all. I don't even get an opportunity to choose you know, what I want to do. I don't want any of that. That's why you have a lot of white moms uh, who are doing that. That's, that's why that white mom got the money and on the calendar. That's what we want to promote white mothers bringing in that next generation of white racist as healthy as possible Woo, man much obliged be in Santa Rosa uh, did any other folks comments that they wanted to make sure they got in again if there's anybody who says hey man Gus T the cows is alright some days uh, but you are really talking crazy uh, this is not chemical and biological warfare. Maybe you are a little retarded uh, in terms of dictionaries or what the term means, but maybe this is racism. Maybe it's wrong, but it's certainly not chemical and biological warfare. Please speak up if you have comments on that or other issues. Feel free. We'll assume folks might be satisfied. We do have our book club coming up tomorrow. I am excited. We read here. I mentioned it today, right on time. Medical apartheid. One of my favorite books uh, of all time. Harriet A. Washington. Uh, lots of that book relates directly to what we are talking about today. Harriet Washington did not just write medical apartheid. Uh, her most recent book is a terrible thing to waste environmental racism and its assault on the American mind we haven't really touched as much on so called environmental racism but I am looking forward uh, to reading some of Harriet Washington again Uh, that will be our new book starting tomorrow Uh, I don't think this should be a difficult book to find it's relatively new she's a well published author she has a number of well published books medical apartheid is very uh, well read well respected as it should be and is widely available in many many public libraries so it shouldn't be difficult if I didn't have a difficult time finding but I'm in Seattle so uh, but you know you can let me know if you, you have trouble getting Harriet A. Washington 
a terrible thing to waste environmental racism and its assault on the American mind starting tomorrow 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific uh, we'll have workplace racism this Friday uh, normal time 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific and the compensatory call in on Saturday uh, we should also be here next week uh, we'll have a victim of racism white supremacy to discuss racism and yoga one of my favorite topics that'll be next Wednesday but I will follow up and let you all know when I get a return date and time for Professor Freeman white woman who is with us today uh, and uh, I will see I'll give it some thought um, this victim uh, victim of racism uh, Angela Onwachi Willig uh, and I'll just make sure that I get that in again you have to watch or you don't have to but I would encourage looking out for that racists will often quote another victim of racism and again it'll be uh, quoting them where they're making a point uh, where often it's in error uh, presenting some bit of uh, illogic uh, or just incorrect information about what racism is and how it works but the white person will present it as though it's accurate and then they'll say well oh well you know this victim of racism you know said such and such and such and such and it's as though uh, whatever is being said is valid just because a victim of racism said it and they get to put this quote out there even though they're the one that's promoting it without being attached to it they don't have to be accountable for it being incorrect valid whatever it is because it's not my quote and in fact it's from another victim of racism so you you know you can't say anything because I'm you know even quoting and and acknowledging other uh, black scholars like it's it's a really effective tactic that I've seen them use often they'll quote uh, a deceased victim of racism who's saying something inaccurate about racism but this is very common you have to be mindful of that or I would encourage folks to be mindful of this technique uh, assuming folks are satisfied anything else folks want to add uh, can, can I say one more thing yes sir so she really played the Jewish card you'll have to get out like that it was not in succession. She, uh, this was at the very beginning. So like within the first five minutes of the broadcast, when I was giving my definition for racism, that's when she had oh, okay. said something about being Jewish. And so then she stayed with us for another 45 minutes or so. But as I said, she had said it was going to be abbreviated because I had made an error with the time, uh, thinking that it was a three hour difference when it was only a two hour difference. Uh, and so she left at about the 45 minute mark, which again could have just been her saying, Hmm. I don't want to hang out with these niggers anymore. That could have been, you know, could have been her practicing racism. You'll have to listen to the archives and decide for yourself. Trying to play both sides of the board, huh? You'll have to decide for yourself. All right, man, thanks. Absolutely, absolutely. Any other comments, questions? Folks need to get in. It's been reported that the there might be an issue with the iTunes archives where it's not loading or it's the entire broadcast is not available. Uh, the cows is archived at SoundCloud, Black Talk Radio Network, YouTube, a variety of platforms. Uh, you cannot be lackadaisical with regards to listening to counter racist content, really any con uh, content that you think is constructive and uh, towards ending racism, white supremacy, whites will probably make some effort to disrupt that broadcast. So look out 
if it's not in one location where you're accustomed to listening, make sure you know other locations and have backup means where you can ask. Ask the people who direct. Drop an email and figure out are there other alternatives if it's not coming from one source uh, to make sure that you have access to the content. Uh, that's happened with me uh, for content that I listen to where the same thing mysteriously will disappear. Uh, you can, as I said, you can be lackadaisical and just, oh man, it's not where I normally look for it. And oh well. Or... I do think that there's some value to this. I do think that this is constructive. Let me make sure that I can access. I do post and will make sure I post extra links for where the cows is located again at SoundCloud, YouTube, Black Talk Radio Network, iTunes, uh, Google Play, forgot a variety of locations. So it's not just in one spot. Try to make sure it's widely available for people who think it is of some value towards solving problem with that cow's yoga retreat next time around Toronto May 21 to May 24 email if you have questions thoughts uh, meal ideas always looking forward to those uh, we'll be here tomorrow for the book club Harriet Washington a mind is a terrible thing to waste looking forward to that debut session 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific Thanks all for tuning in. I hope it was a constructive investment of your Wednesday evening. Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. I talked about that this evening. Let's try to keep our brain computer working well uh, so that we can solve the problem. In addition to being sober, let's make sure we are buckled up every single time we are in a vehicle, passenger, or driver. Uh, let's try to do everything that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed I'm a victim brother I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $600 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that's right for you with accessories like our cycling shoes, a heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited time offer ends December 6th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 6, 2022. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.